Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this program. Today, I've got Brooks Childress with me for an hour and Brant Daughtry with me for the full three hours as we review everything that went on inside of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Sanford Pentagon last night. We'll talk about the Auburn and Baylor game as Auburn fell just short, 88-82. to We'll also talk some Auburn football as Auburn gets set for another road game, this time in Fayetteville, Arkansas, taking on the 3-6 and six Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll start to direct some attention towards that matchup. And as always on Wednesdays, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire back with us after a bye week last week. Joe will... Uh, chat fantasy football with us as we do each and every Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit of NFL as well. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Our guy T.P. Hammock will be happy to take your phone call as he is taking calls and running the board here for the first two hours before going out to the high school coaches show tonight. And again, that will directly follow our show. Not the last coaches show of the year. However, the last on location at the end zone bar and grill. So make sure you come out there from 6 to 8 p.m. Brooks Childress and TP Hammock will be out there with, again, a lot of great high school area coaches as the first round of the playoffs gets underway tomorrow night and on Friday. But, of course, with you for the full three hours in the meantime, again, the talk all Auburn. Also got to talk recruiting today. It was National Signing Day for basically the non-football sports is probably the easiest way to term that. Uh, Auburn basketball got good news. We'll talk about that. Auburn baseball had a robust class. We'll talk about that. So a lot to talk about here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here this afternoon. Brant Daughtry, how are you on this Wednesday? Good to see you on a non-Monday on the show yeah man it's the first time i've been on a non-monday show since the start of the fall semester so it's, it's been a little while but i'm happy to be here uh upset with the way last night went for auburn but i also think there were a lot of encouraging things i think you know it's the first game of what 31 i think so uh still a lot of basketball left to be played i think that this team showed a lot of good things uh, and showed some things that they have to improve on if they're going to be competitive in the SEC. And we'll get into that as we go. But you're right, a, a lot going on with basketball, with uh, gymnastics, I think, signed a couple of players that are gymnasts today, a couple of girls uh, that are going to be coming to Auburn next year. I think softball signed a few as well. Uh, and then the baseball class. We, certainly we need to get into that because that's some, some very big news uh, for Auburn baseball. So We'll get into all of that as we continue forward. But, yeah, man, uh, great to be here. Great to be here on a Wednesday. And uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Plisketti's for canceling today's <laughs> class. 
Uh, you gotta love that. You gotta love that. Was you, you get a break and then we put you right back to work. Right. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'd rather I'd rather be here than at home doing nothing. So. Fair, fair enough. Brooks Childress also on the show day, albeit for not the entire time. Brooks, how are you on this Wednesday? I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Are you also new to the Wednesday program? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful Wednesday. Getting ready for the high school coaches show tonight. The final one on location at our friends at the End Zone Bar and Grill. Uh, we announced it last week, but uh, and we'll talk about it tonight. But we will continue the the high school coaches show through the Super Seven here uh, on Tiger ninety five point nine. But we'll be in studio uh, for the entirety of the playoffs after this week. So can't wait to do that. Um, I can't wait to uh, get rolling with the the show later on tonight but as of right now big game last night for Auburn basketball uh even though you came up with a loss I think that you saw some very very positive things from Auburn basketball uh you 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 saw what this team uh potentially can be this year I I think you know uh, I think that uh you know a lot of people described it as a March feeling game on the first game of the year which is always a good sign and then uh I I think it was the color analyst last night Fran Frischella said watch out for both of these teams to make uh uh, to be back uh, in the same kind of position in March, and that you know Baylor is a team that made the tournament last year. They were the same as Auburn. They made the tournament last year, lost in the round of 32. Uh, Auburn lost in the round of 32 as well. And so uh, both these teams are going to be competing for uh, March Madness spots. And it's it, this isn't a bad loss on your resume. You know, you, you look at some of these. Uh, I know it's way too early to be looking at March resumes, but uh, this is not a bad loss to to put on there as to a, a top 25 Baylor team that uh, looks like they. They could be really good and a really big player in the Big Twelve this year. But uh, other than that, it's a it's a great day here in the uh, in in Auburn. Can't wait to uh, to chat for an hour and then uh, can't wait to uh, listen to you guys the rest of the way. Uh, and before we get going, we also want to remind you that tomorrow will be a little bit different for us as we will be out at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department from 3 to 6 p.m. with our live show. We'd highly encourage you to come out and meet us. We'll have a couple of giveaways, but also the main event coming up at 6 o'clock for the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department there on Wire Road as it's the annual chili dinner. Again, Tom's been talking about that the previous couple of days. That's why he is not here today. He is getting set up for that. And again, we highly encourage you to come out and see us both because that is such an important event for them, again, as they uh, secure some funding for their equipment and their supplies that they need to go help this community. And so it's $8 if you go online ahead of time. It's $10 at the door. Uh, that'll get you all you can eat chili. If you want one bowl or three bowls, it's covered there. Uh, they got all the ingredients, all the toppings there for you. Uh, they'll have live music. And, uh, again, they'll have raffle prizes. They'll have three or four really awesome raffle prizes. So that can be something that you'd be a part of tomorrow, too. It's going to be beautiful weather. going to be in the low 70s, high 60s, which is absolutely perfect. And so it's going to be a great opportunity to come out. Again, we'll be live from 3 to 6 p.m. with our radio show, Sports Call. And then 6 to 8 o'clock is the event there for the annual chili dinner. And, again, uh, Tom's been stressing this throughout the week, too. It's a family-friendly event. You hear food and live music, you might think it's one thing, but it's very much family-friendly. And so highly encourage you to come out and support uh, those great firefighters, many of whom are Auburn University students. So want to see everyone out there for our show from 3 to 6 p.m. tomorrow and then certainly for the chili dinner from 6 to 8 p.m. All right, let's begin this Wednesday edition of the program by talking about 
the Auburn and Baylor game from last night. It was looking good for the majority of the game for Auburn. It was back and forth, first 10, 12 minutes of the first half. Auburn would take a lead, which they would not relinquish until the last couple of minutes of the basketball game. They they pulled out to around a, a nine-point lead at times, uh, was consistently in the six to nine range until the last you know four minutes or so of the game where uh, Baylor – uh, got it back close, and then overcame, and Auburn could not recover in time. So, again, Baylor wins by six. Guys, opening thoughts from the basketball team, what you saw compared to maybe the expectations that you had. I think maybe I expected the defense to be a little bit better. I know we've heard Bruce Pearl talk that this team is behind defensively from where he wants to be, but I think the offense was better than I expected it to be. I, I you, you look at Auburn shooting – in this game, they shot 47% from three. That's the highest mark we've seen from an Auburn team in a very long time. Uh, I, I think some positives to take away from this. Aiden Holloway, in his first collegiate game, looked like the either the best or second best player on the field, depending on uh, if uh, Jacoby Walter was on the floor for Baylor, because that kid's insane. But uh, th- watching those two go back and forth, this was a really fun game of basketball, if you're an impartial observer. Um Free throws not perfect, but I still think you showed improvement from where you were last year on free throws as well. I think this is a team that is going to be better offensively than last year's team, maybe not as good defensively. And in basketball, I think you would trade a little bit of defense for a better offense, especially when it comes to shooting from deep like this. Uh, I, the officiating was bad. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, what else is new? Pat Adams was officiating this game, so you knew there was going to be a quick whistle. Um, but it, it is what it is with college basketball officiating at this point. Um, I think overall, yes, you would rather win the game, but I was very happy with what I saw from Auburn in this game. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the season, even though you came out of this with a loss. Uh, as I said in, in the open, uh, I think you could see what this Auburn basketball team can become, uh, this year. It, it looked, you know, you, you look at their, uh, you, you, you look at the team last year and you look at this team this year. Um, I think, again, Brant said it, Bruce Pearl said it, you got to get better on defense. Um, it, you got to be able to close games out. We had that halftime lead, uh, 43 to 34, and, and then you gave it up in the second half. You got to be able to close the game out and, and get a win there. Um, three point shooting, you know, the, the guys that shot the majority of the threes, Janai Broom only missed one, uh, Denver Jones missed two, and then uh, Aiden Holloway missed four, but. Uh, hitting four free four three pointers in a, in the game is, is for and especially in your first game action in the collegiate level, I, I think is impressive. Uh, but you know, over overall, I I'm going to try. Here's what I'm going to try to do this year. I'm going to try to try point out the ways that Auburn could have won. You know, look at the ways that Auburn could have won a game. Uh, and not factor the refs in. Um, that's what I'm going to try to do this year. Is I'm not going to say that the the refs blew this game for Auburn or anything. Uh, any any game. I'm going to look at how the how Auburn could have done better. And I'm, I'm going to say it, it, I'm, I said that, and then I'm going to follow it up with you get, stay out of foul trouble. I think that's really what got <laughs> Auburn into into um, into a, a bad spot in that second half of that game was gotten to foul, getting into foul trouble. You know, you had uh, Janai Broom foul out. Uh, you had Chris Moore, you had Trey Donaldson, you had Katie Johnson, you had Chad Baker Mazzara, you had Dylan Cardwell, all in foul trouble at the end of that game with the, uh, with four p- fouls apiece. You gotta you, you gotta uh, try to you know stay out of that foul trouble area. You cl- play a little bit cleaner basketball. Uh, but other than that, you know, again, 
a, a top 25 Baylor team on a neutral site in front of a very uh, – I, it, it was a good crowd, but it was a toned-down crowd because it's only, what, a 3,000-something-seat arena, so it's not like you're sitting in there with thousands of people. You're, it, it's a very intimate setting up there in, in Sioux Falls. Overall, not upset. Uh, I, I think Auburn definitely missed some opportunities where they could have won that game, but not upset with the loss. Yeah, overall, look, I, I think Auburn met my expectations for this game. Obviously, you always, always prefer the ugliest of wins to the prettiest of losses. That's... That's that's obvious, and that will always be true. However, I thought that they looked pretty good in their loss. There's there's clearly things to correct, and part of it is that when Bruce Pearl talks about there's going to be defensive issues this year, well, a real defensive issue, referees withstanding, is bad defensive teams foul. They use their hands too much. They are not able to stay in front, and they foul more. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you every single call was was right or wrong because, again, I didn't get to see every second of the game. was celebrating a birthday last night, not my own, but uh, we talked about JJ's. Go ahead and break that news that I was there. And so I didn't see every every second of the game. So I'm not going to be the right person to analyze every single foul call. I can look at the numbers and tell you that Baylor shot more free throws. I can tell you that in the second half in particular, it was killer. Baylor shot 26 free throws in the second half. But I also know this, when there's that many free throws in one half, that's not going to be all of one thing. It's not going to be all poor calls. It's not going to be necessarily all bad defense. But you certainly put yourself in the position. I watched some of it. I mean, I watched pretty much all of the second half. And there was a lot of calls or, excuse me, a lot of plays where Auburn was using their hands to defend. And you are, you are asking for trouble if the referees are going to call a lot of fouls. And, and they called – you know, 20 plus fouls on both teams. So, I mean, that was definitely not a crew that was ready to let things go. So, so that's one part of it is I, I think that they were too handsy out front defensively. The other part of it is Jacoby Walter was really damn good. And he's a freshman that is, again, hard to account for because you just don't know. He's not a known commodity. But when you have 28 points, you're over 50% from the field and from three. And then obviously you're perfect from the foul line that is going to be tough for you. There's hopefully not going to be a, a many players that Auburn's going to face better than that or even as good as that all year long that, that play in that manner. So uh, that was a great performance from him. The, the good things from Auburn is that Aiden Hallway is already really good, and you kind of expected it in a way, but I've also seen plenty of four, high four-star guys come in here, come in everywhere, and not play very well, and, and then end up leaving. I mean, let's not forget, Yoan Treor was a similar-rated prospect. He is at UC Santa Barbara two years later. Uh, so it's not a it's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. I've seen five stars go to, to go to Kentucky and, and not end up doing anything till three or four years into college. So that is really good news that Aiden Holloway was really good last night, and he was pulling up from 30. Yes, you'll have to pay attention to shot selection at some point this year, but uh, it was working last night, uh, and it was working to the tune of he played 26 minutes and Trey Donaldson played 14. We did not see them both play. That's a question I do wonder about as the season goes along. That's why we asked Bruce about it last week. I, I will be curious to see that because uh, the one uh, – I'll give you another negative. They're just kind of floating back and forth positive negatives is that Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway combined – uh, for uh, too many turnovers. I believe they combined for seven turnovers, if I'm looking that 
uh, looking at that correctly, Donaldson had four turnovers in 13 minutes. Holloway, three and 26. That is palatable. You can accept that. But seven po- seven turnovers over the point guard position is a couple too high uh, for, for the course of the game. So and certainly Donaldson in his minutes, four and 14 minutes, is not going to fly. So that's something to pay attention to. He's great in the exhibition with that. But turnovers is really where – the game swung because I was going back through it. Auburn had five turnovers from the six-and-a-half-minute point in the second half, from six-and-a-half to play, till two-and-a-half to play. So in a four-minute stretch there, Auburn had a five-to-six-point lead that then evaporated into Baylor's first lead of the second half. There was five turnovers in four minutes. And that's about the only thing that can stop you when you shoot nearly 50% from the field and from three. Okay, because you've been incredibly efficient in in multiple ways there. Again, I mean, for for the for the game, forty five percent from the field from three forty seven and a half. They did not take a lot of threes. Nineteen threes uh, is kind of below their standard when they are shooting them well. That's something we saw last year because they were not shooting them well. So I have plenty more of thoughts. Uh, those are kind of the main thoughts for now, though. Uh, but for now, we will go ahead and take our first time out of the show when we come back we'll have more from this game on auburn and baylor we'll also get to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... Hi, my name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. And speaking of phone calls, we're going to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 First up, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about Auburn and Baylor, and I was uh, looking at that game, and I was seeing that Auburn was going to come back, and, uh, you know, they they tried. You know, I was just looking at, you know, the scores and everything and uh, looking at the stats and and everything, and I knew that uh, Janiah Brome didn't make any, any good shots uh, last night against Baylor as well. Yeah, certainly missed some free throws. He did have a uh, productive statistical game. He had 16 points and 11 rebounds. The average is that for the year. I think Auburn will be pretty happy. But, yeah, no, clearly free throws towards the end uh, have not gone well for the big guys for Auburn, either Broom or Cardwell. Uh, Those two accounted for, I believe, uh, six of the eight free throw misses last night. If you take them out of it, the rest of the team was 10 of 12 from the foul line. So, yeah, those, those big guys, they've just not been good free throw shooters in their career. And there's no sign that that's going to significantly change this year. Yeah. So, what do you think would change in regards into next weekend's game? 
uh, into next week's game when we play another team at home in Neville Arena. Yeah, well, I think what will change this Friday when they play southeastern Louisiana, southeastern Louisiana is not as good as, as Baylor, and they're not close. So I think Auburn will will be fine this Friday. I think they'll have an opportunity to win by a good margin. Uh, I think that they'll be able to showcase this high-flying offense at home in front of a, a great home environment. Uh, and then after that, I think, becomes the next, next test and next question. They're going to go to the state of New York uh, and play Notre Dame. And the Legends Classic on Thursday, they'll have another game on Friday. And, and Auburn needs to win both those games. Those are teams that uh, either expect to be on the bubble or short of the bubble uh, this year for the NCAA tournament. So whereas uh, you looked at Baylor and, and say, hey, okay, Auburn's not going to be uh, maybe favored, although they, late money did come in for Auburn. You look at that and say, okay, at least Baylor is ranked above you. These teams that they're going to play next week are not. So – uh, next week's going to be more of a you need to win at, at uh, whatever cost there, but uh, I think that they're going to be completely fine on Friday. Yes, as well, because I think on Friday, on Thursday and Friday, I think that we're, we would look good, but for um, the chances of making it to a tournament, I'll just have to see how things go from now until the tournament actually sets in until like next year in 2024, because um, putting Auburn that high right now, it's very likely to see um, Bruce Pearl actually, um, you know, what they're going to do Thursday and Friday before uh, before they actually make decisions on who they're going to play for the March Madness tournament as well or the Final Four tournament. Yeah, that that will be up to the NCAA come March. A long way to go before we get there, but I think Auburn is is not necessarily hurt by that that Baylor game I think on a neutral floor that's going to end up being a quad one game uh no matter what happens this season and and yeah of course it'd be great to the resume to win it but quad one losses will not hurt yes as well and then I'm looking at uh to see if uh coach Harris is actually going to uh, play a strong uh you know, a strong game against Louisiana uh, Tech. So I think this is going to be their biggest test at home. I, I think they're playing that home game at home against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, it's against Louisiana, the, the Raging Cajuns. But, yeah, the, is it Neville okay. Arena on Thursday? Okay, so I will be watching that game as well because I'm actually looking at um, if we're going to beat Louisiana. So I think this is going to be like a good uh, March Madness or NIT tournament that I'm going to be looking at in the near future and seeing some uh, some of the ladies actually looking like they're going to like some of the seniors that I'm going to be looking at and seeing if they had that opportunity to take their uh, talent to the next level into the WNBA of 2024 and 2025. So I'm going to be looking at the seniors on Thursday as well just to see um who I'm going to be looking at when when that time comes for them. Yeah, still a lot of new faces on that team, some transfers that are about out of eligibility, only be with the Tigers for one or two years. So uh, a lot of a lot of new faces there in that locker room for Auburn women's basketball. Yes, as well because I'm looking at um, I'm looking at senior um, point guard uh, Casey Metzen. Vanningen, if I'm saying her last name right, I'm looking at her as a WNBA player, probably playing with like the Lynx or the Liberty, just to just to name those two teams 
off of the board as well because I think if Casey won to play with the New York Liberty, that will give Sanini uh, Unescu a lot of help with that team as well. And I do see them actually going back to the WNBA next year as well. Yeah, I believe you're talking about Carson McFadden there who uh, came, yes. came in the game there late. Uh, usually a bench player for the Tigers. She did hit a three uh, late in that one against Louisiana. Carson McFadden has uh, stuck with the team here for a while, but uh, I do not believe she'll be going to the WNBA, but maybe Auburn will produce someone else on the roster. Yes, as well, because I'm actually uh, trying to see some of the new the newcomers that just came to Auburn, but I'm not quite sure on the new uh, faces of Auburn, so I'll just have to you know, get more familiar with some of the new players on the team as well. Yep, got a lot of time to get familiar, though. Just just one game in the books this year. Yes, as well. And then with this weekend's game that we're playing against um, Arkansas, I was looking at, uh, do you think that Auburn might have a huge chance in, in uh, Arkansas to actually win on the road as well before we play uh, New Mexico State and Alabama as well to close out the 2023 season? I certainly think that they have a solid chance. Uh, I think that – it should be a pretty close game. I know Arkansas is narrowly favored, and that's due to the fact that they did go in the Gainesville and win this past weekend to finally get a, a win in SEC play. But I, I think that it will be uh, a, a tough game to call, and I think Auburn's going to need to hit on some of the plays that went awry for them. And Vandy, I think they had a lot more on the table that they could have had in terms of a big play that was dropped, a, a touchdown was called back that resulted in their field goal. So I think they need those things to go right for them in Fayetteville. But, yes, I think they've got a good chance of winning. Yes, as well, because I'm actually going to be looking at New Mexico State and Alabama because I think Alabama, they're going to Kentucky to actually play them this weekend. And I will have Kentucky favor beating Alabama before they play Auburn in the final stretch of their home uh, in their home game uh, schedule as well. And then I was looking at on Tuesday night, I was looking at the uh, the college playoffs and they were saying uh, that uh, Ohio State is at number one. And I'm pretty sure that that's kind of high because I looked at their schedule and I know that they're going to look good this weekend, but I'm not quite sure how Georgia or Florida will actually make uh, Ohio State drop from number one as well. I promise Florida will not make them drop. As for Georgia, I think that that could be interesting. They're playing a top ten team this week. Uh, that is something big on the resume. Uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State not playing a ranked opponent this week. So it, it depends how close the committee has those two. If they have them really close and Georgia looks good and beats the top ten team, sure, they might jump to number one. Uh, but if if they squeak it out, Ohio State dominates, I think, Michigan State this week. is mm-hmm. To be fair, not any good at all. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. It just depends how close that room really feels that they are without the actual point totals like the AP poll mattering we, we really don't know how close it is but yeah i could see georgia end up ending up number one there especially at the end of the stretch because they got another top 25 team next week at tennessee so it would not shock me if georgia ends up number one here but uh, obviously for now they're still at number two yes as well because i'm actually looking at for this weekend's game i'm looking at michigan and um trying to see if Michigan is actually going to look good because I know they have a lot of different things going on with their head coach with Jim Harbaugh and the and the sign stealing but that's 
really, you know, said and done, but I'm not quite sure on, you know, if that's, if that's actually true or not. I know it's true because it's been, um, it, it's been like wildfire all over sports, uh, broadcasting and everything, but I think that, you know, I, I, I mean, I've seen it happen before with Michigan and other schools, but I think with, with Michigan, I'll, I'll probably say that they should hire somebody else uh, besides Jim Harbaugh as well. Yeah, and, and look, I think Jim Harbaugh's name uh, or days could be numbered due to a multitude of reasons, not performance-related, but obviously the investigation, maybe his desire to go to the NFL, and a combination of the two. But, uh, you know, they, they – they, it feels pretty confident they, they've done this and they've to what degree, how many games, they're all still trying to figure out the, the specifics, and that's why there's going to be no NCAA penalty until next year, I would assume. But, you know, it's pretty clear there's wrongdoing there, and, again, I think the, the clock is ticking on that. Yes, as well, because, I, I mean, I've seen this happen in the NFL, but in college, I mean, this is something new to me as well, but I just have to say, um, you know, if they want to look at a new head coach, I'm probably going to say somebody new that um, that would be like from another school to actually come to Michigan and actually, you know, change the dilemma of the Michigan Wolverines and actually making them to a Big Ten bowl game as well. So I'm just trying to see how their uh, how their season is going to stand out, but their season doesn't. If their season doesn't stand out this year, I will be far by any chance as a college football fan to ever uh, pick Michigan State to ever win a, a good game as well. All right, yeah, a lot to digest there for sure. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes with Michigan. They got a big one against Penn State this weekend. Yes, as well. And then this coming up uh, next week, I will be watching. A great race from Las Vegas, Nevada, in Formula One. They just added to the Formula One race uh, schedule, so I'm very excited to seeing this one. This is one of my favorite tracks I've never seen since I've been a Formula One fan. So this will be a first for me to actually see something like this from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's something that I've been wanting to put on my calendar as a Formula One fan as well. Well, the good news is, James, absolutely nobody has seen them race there before because it's their first race at Las Vegas. They have been to Miami before and some other tracks and, of course, have been all over the uh, the globe. But, yeah, it's their first competitive race there in Las Vegas. Yes, as well, because I know it's a lot of uh, first-timers in the in the Formula One uh, fan base, but maybe I have something for a lot of Formula One fans like myself. This coming up December 25th, there is actually going to be a brand-new movie that's going to be called Ferrari. It's a true story about um, one of the best um, Formula One uh, race, race drivers in um, – it's it's going to be a really good Christmas movie. I'm going to actually see it. It's going to be amazing as well. But if it's really good, I'm probably sure in the near future for this movie, I'm hoping it will hit Netflix sometime real soon. All right. Nothing uh, nothing screams Christmas like a good, uh, good race. So uh, we'll be looking out for that one. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, the only final thought that I actually have to say is I would love to see Auburn beat Alabama this coming up Iron Bowl week as well so i'm counting down the days to seeing uh hugh freeze actually bringing a a huge cold front against alabama they do not have a chance of 
uh, winning on the road in uh, Jordan Hare Stadium this weekend as well. So it will be a really good week for Auburn to actually win as well. Uh, yeah, they they obviously play in a couple weekends there, so won't be winning this weekend. But we'll see how it goes a couple days after Thanksgiving. Well, James, as always, we appreciate the phone call. Look forward to talking again tomorrow. All right, sounds good in War Eagle. War Eagle, then it's James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout. Back with more of your phone calls right after this. to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Reminder, coming up at 5.15 today, Joe Barnell of Rotowire will join us. But for now, we take more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Well, how are you guys doing? Ron and uh, Brant and Brooks. Well, we're doing just fine. We're doing just fine. Stevie, there. Steve. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, yep. Brent, and uh, 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 Mr. Brooks. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay, guys. You know, I hope. Uh, can I ask a favor of you guys? Uh, when we lose games that uh, we've ever lost, um, as soon as I come off, can you have a recording of uh, Steve Carell from the office uh, just immediately and punch it and so I can hear him say no, no, no because I'm going <laughs> to find one and put it on my uh, phone app because uh, uh, sure. I, I, got t- I got tired of saying it last night in the last three and a half minutes in fact I probably lost almost got a horse uh, guys let's get to it real quickly okay uh, you know the best comment I come up with for this game last night was what Coach Pearl said after the game I don't know if you listened to his comments uh, the post game uh, interview you had with him on, on the radio, but he said following, if teams are just going to drive the ball downhill and I'm allowed to stay between you and the basket, and golly, every time they drove to the rim, it was a whistle, then I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, he clearly had a couple um, couple thoughts about officiating last night. Uh, again, I, I I did not see every second of it. I saw most of the second half. Uh, well, you were fortunate. You were fortunate, Ron, because I saw every disastrous three minutes of that game. Right. And my daughter was watching with me, kept saying, we got this guy. I said, no, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet, dear. You don't know Auburn. And I would love to have been wrong, but I was so, you know, I lose the stats, guys. And if you just showed me the stats, guys, from last night, and you asked me who won the game, I said Auburn did. 
I mean, I thought they were very even stats. I mean, really. Well, I looked at this, Ron, because he's interrupting, because I'm so still angry at this loss, because it was brutally ugly. It should never happened. When you dominate your opponent 66.3% of the game, who should win? All right. Well, that's not really – I mean, that's a score. I mean, that's not a final statistic. Uh, the statistic- no, no, no. That was, no, no. That was the final stats. I looked at the stats. We controlled and dominate – Dominated that game. We led sixty-six point three percent of the game. Right, but that's but again that's define, not define dominate. What do you right. mean by that? Right, that's still that's still not like a rebound point assist type of thing. I mean, if you're leading by a few points the whole game, that's yeah, not the, domination. The largest lead of this game well, was nine points. Nine that's points, right. nothing. You can erase that in less than a minute. But when you do it consistently throughout sixty-six. That's dominant. That's not like half yeah, but the that's, game. That's more than half no, the game. No, I, I completely disagree. When you're only winning a game by about two possessions for the majority of a game in, in basketball, it's not football. If you're up 14 to 21 points in football, yes, that's dominating for the majority of the game, and then you you blow that at the end. That, that's, that's that's completely different. But six-point game in basketball, I mean, again, that's that's a, a three, a turnover, and a three, and it's gone th- in 20 or 30 seconds. I mean, that's, that's not domination. Well, I respectfully disagree with your perspective because I'm thinking, you know, and I watched the entire game, uh, when you're leading for more than the majority of the game and you're doing it consistently and then crap hits the fan in the last three minutes, I'm saying, God, how this happened? And it was uh, it, it was a uh, unbelievable foul fest. So that's what, uh, in fact, that's what Bruce Pearl called it. It was a foul fest in the last three to four minutes of the game. Uh, and now, did our players lose composure? Yes, they did. Why they did it, I don't know. Janai Broom was a was a, a prime example of losing composure. Gets a gets a technical call, and I saw him. I don't know what he was saying to one of the Baylor players as uh, he was being uh, um, called for a foul, but then a technical. Uh, I don't know what happened there, guys. We lose our composure, uh, but we uh, our bench points. We out we outdid them. We outplayed them. The only category that I remember that they outplayed us on was second uh, uh, a rebound. Yeah, rebounding. Offensive rebounding. Uh, they, they got us there. But when I say dominate, I'm looking at all the stats, and we either tied them or we outdid them in uh, the other categories, guys. Uh, that's what I mean by uh, you know, dominating. Yeah. It wasn't like it was going back and forth, you know. It wasn't that at all. It absolutely was going back and forth. The entire game was close. This was a really good basketball game. Yeah, Steve, I mean, the, the stats I'm looking at is, is rebounding tied at 38, turnovers tied at 15. Uh, you know, Baylor had more steals, Auburn had more blocks. Uh, assists was better for Auburn than Baylor, and that, that's one thing in Auburn's feather and cap. But, again, shooting percentages uh, were almost identical. In fact, they were identical from three. Both teams were 9 of 19. And, again, uh, shooting percentages for the game were both uh, around 46 47%. So, I mean, I – I, I, bench points. Did you look at bench sure, points? Okay, well but again, it? I told you the overall statistics were even. So that's a, a, a micro stat within the bigger stats as a whole. So, yeah, short Auburn bench points also, was, was better. But again, the 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 most broad three to four stats were, were all very even. Auburn also had a lot more time from its bench players than Baylor did. Auburn was very heavy on rotation. Yeah, that, that just Baylor, means... That Baylor means, did not have as many bench players on the court as Auburn did. Yeah, I mean, Baylor's best couple players outscored Auburn's best couple players, at least um, mainly Walter. Well, uh, Bruce Brown again, uh, we'll start off the interview. Um, he was asked by uh, 
by, by the interviewer, I forgot, I don't know who was it, um, how do you think, think about the game? He says, I'm, 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 I'm paying that position. We are not pleased. Those are his words. We are not pleased. Uh, that, that uh, you, you may say, well, that's his first game. They were favored. Hey, you know, Auburn was favored last night by two and a half points. I realize the line changed once the broom and, and hallway health was determined, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure that Vegas was happy uh, because 6% of the baby public uh, had us. And, again, I say, you know, if we had been down uh, throughout the game, most of the game, I'd say, yeah, um, we just didn't play good enough. But we did. We played good enough to win, and it didn't happen. Uh, just once in a while, I like for Auburn to be on the other side of those kind of games, you know, that uh, we come back and the other team belts down. Um, hopefully uh, they will – uh, definitely uh, you know, learn from uh, these ticky-tack fouls that we got called for um, uh, and, and, and some of these really uh, just uh, meltdowns, uh, the steals that they got from us at the end. And maybe it looks like he's going to be a fantastic player, but he kept dribbling, dribbling. People stole the ball from him, you know, unnecessarily. Uh, and then, of course, the abysmal free-throw shooting by uh, Janai came back to haunt us. Uh, if he would made Maybe at least half more of those um, that I have come have been different. But anyway, I digress. Auburn, right, Auburn could have shot. Auburn could have made every single one of its free throws and still would have lost the game by one. They would have won I by won. two. They, okay. they, they lost by six. They missed eight free throws. They would have won by one. All right, well, don't no, confuse well, it with the facts, please. Don't confuse it with the facts, uh, Brent. Um, all right. My so, bad. Well, I don't know where I got that stat from. I know. Well, the good, good, on the good news part, we got a commitment from a four-star basketball player, right? Yes. Jockey Howard, how's it pronounced? Jakai. Jakai Howard, okay. Uh, what do you guys thoughts about uh, this commitment? Yeah, I think they really needed a second guy uh, after losing a couple of guys from this class. Uh, Phylon was always, even though Phylon was an incredible player, I always understood that because you had Pettiford, you had someone that was a, a really the exact same position. But once you lost Peyton Marshall, you needed somebody to be a little bit bigger of a player now. Uh, in this situation, Jakai is six six. He's one eighty, so he's not the back to the basket huge guy that that Peyton Marshall was going to be. So he's definitely a different kind. This this guy is going to be more of a three or a four. But Jakai Howard, I think, is is a quality get top hundred. He is still. Uh, this is from Nathan King. Want to credit him? The number fourteen rated signing in Auburn history, and he's a couple spots above Daniel Purefoy and Horace Spencer. And just behind the likes of Chumo Kiki, so uh, this yeah. is still a a really really high get for Auburn again, the 14th highest ever in program history, uh, and that's a pretty good place to be when he's not your even your highest rated recruit. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I saw that from Jason Call. I said, "Wow, if he thinks this player is uh, going to be anything like Chumo Kiki, then we got we we got a steal here, right?" Yeah, he's incredibly athletic. I think he's going to be more athletic than Kiki. I'm interested to see his three ball. I did see highlights of him making it, but obviously making it in high school and college is a little different thing, but certainly willing to take it. And, again, he's incredibly bouncy. So I don't know if he'll end up being a three or a four, uh, but, but he will be somewhere in that equation. So give me your comments, guys, at this point, after seeing last night's game. Um, has it changed your expectations of our, our teams, uh, you know, uh, we're winning uh, future games, total win games, or, or the state about the same? No, I, I think 
I mean, I, I expected Auburn to lose uh, a single-digit game, so and they did that, but they looked, I thought, pretty good in doing it. Uh, so if anything, it, it it maybe I feel better about the probability of a ceiling season versus a floor season. But it, I mean, one game that you still ultimately did lose close to a top twenty-five team. I don't think that is reason to shift expectations too much one way or another. I think it was good news that Aiden Holloway looked really good. I think it was good news that uh, you had a multitude of guys be productive. The the scoring in the first half especially was incredibly balanced. Uh, and, and so I think that there's a lot of good things to take from it, but the defense is going to have to improve. They're going to have to improve situationally and that sort of thing, not turn the ball over late. But no, I mean, I, I think the expectations haven't changed too much, but I think it is overall still, despite the loss, I think it's still slightly positive. Okay, uh, you guys, uh, is that a consensus? Yeah, I think that this this Auburn team still has a, a you know, just because you lost the game one, it was through a really good player or a really good team uh, with with a really good freshman player on it. I think that you look at this Auburn team, and I, I agree with uh, what the color analyst Fran Fischel last night said when he was going off when they were going off the air. Is uh, look for both of these teams to be back in the same position in March, and I, I think that Auburn uh, is is a team that would for how they played last night looks like a team that can make it into March and uh, make it past that first round, but maybe bank it past the second round. Hopefully, Brent. Yeah, uh, my prediction for Auburn hasn't changed. I, th- I think that they're a little bit worse off defensively than I thought they were going to be, but they're better offensively. Uh, I think this is a, still a really good team that has a chance to compete for a top-four spot in the SEC. Okay. And, guys, have you heard any, any updates on what's happened with Coach McGriff? I have not, not in the last couple weeks, no. He, he's been on the sidelines the past two weeks, just has not so. had, a, had a headset on. Okay. Uh, speaking of, um, I guess, yeah, seeing the football, I see where – uh, Mr. J.D. Ryan is probably going to be redshirted JD, for yeah. reasons. Yeah, uh, they, there was a, a conversation between Hugh Freeze and, and J.D., and, again, they're just trying to reset expectations there. And, uh, yeah, the expectations that there could be a redshirt there. And then finally, guys, to make us all laugh, I saw this from Bleacher Report this morning from a sports writer, Joseph Zucker. It's entitled, Michigan alleges that Ohio State University, Rutgers, Purdue, were sharing Wolverine signals. Have you read the article? Uh, not in detail, no. Okay, well, just real quickly. You know, uh, uh, I read this some more. The NCA, it's not a violation, according to the NCAA rules, to share signals uh, with uh, other teams. The, the violation comes is when you do this electronically or videotape-wise. So, to me, it doesn't sound like, uh, it, it sounds like sour grapes to me with Michigan alleging some kind of NCA violation because I read uh, in the report and he quoted the bylaws, and no teams uh, are considered to be violation by sharing other teams' signals uh, with each other. Uh, but what uh, Stallion did was prohibited. Right. So Michigan, to me, is just uh, blown in the wind. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I mean, Michigan's trying to implicate others so that they don't look as bad and that sort of thing, and I want to hear more facts on all of it, but I mean, if you know, they they're obviously trying to do some last ditched efforts. It doesn't change what they did, and what they did was wrong, right. and it, so they're going to be like, penalized hey, for you it. You know, mistakes were made, but but not by us. You know, by other people. You know. Yeah. Um, and Bill Self, I saw uh, on ESPN that he got the highest paid basketball coaching contract. Do you know what it is, guys? What uh, he got? Is eleven or twelve million per year, or something like that? 
Wow. Yeah. That's. I mean, how how big of a gap is that compared to other uh, salaries? Uh, I mean, the, the top couple are going to be up there, but yeah, basketball salaries are a little below football salaries, so you're not going to have as many guys approaching ten million like you do in football now. Okay, guys, thank you as always for your time. My time is way up, and I appreciate your uh, um, walking me off the edge of the cliff there. Uh, but I would, I'm going to get that uh, sound of uh, uh, Steve Carell saying no, no, no. I'm afraid I may be using it a lot. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, guys. You have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll try to be more calmer tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired. We're named Steve. Joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Jeff from Columbus will join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry continuing on here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls for the next hour before he heads out to the High School Coaches Show with Brooks Childress. And again, uh, more football ahead coming up at 5.15. Joe Bartle will join us, so a lot to get into here on this Wednesday edition of the program. For now, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Doing great, guys. hope you all are having a good afternoon. Yes, sir. Man, this, this weather's messed up. I don't know. What to wear? I think I'm a little hoarse because I guess I don't know if I have allergies or what, or a cold. I'd shoot that thing. It's 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 pretty nice out here today. Hey, um, speaking of nice weather and keeping with sports and stuff, you know that the main export from the state of Arkansas is aircraft and aerospace components. Did you know that? No, and I did not know that. Brand new information. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and and they're main import is dang industrial machines can you explain that guys why in the world why not just make more industrial machines and export them i mean i don't understand guys it really got me perplexed but hey oh boy have you all seen the dr pepper commercial the fansville yes love them yep 
you know what I'm talking about, Ben. Uh-huh. Is Steve not the guy that was fixing the lightest step off after the first play of the game? <laughs> is that not Steve? <laughs> not going to confirm I, I, or deny. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, that that when I the whole time I heard him, I go, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I actually thought he was going to come on and say, "Oh, well, we, you know." We put over played a respectable game or something, but I knew he'd find something negative. But I, all I could think of was the Fansville guy. There you go. That's it's good. The first play of the game. Yeah, so that that's pretty good stuff. But hey, um, man, real quick about um, uh, Brock Bowers. Of course, I know sure. it's Auburn show. No, that's fine. Do you? Okay, he had what did they call it? Tightrope surgery. surgery. Yeah. What in the world is that, and how can he possibly be running already? That that just, I mean, I I guess I could look it up, but I mean, have you ever? I've never heard of it until this year. The only reason I had heard of it, it's the same surgery that Tua Tagovailoa had a few years ago when he was having ankle problems, and the okay. the time the timeline has been the exact same. If Bowers is able to play. This weekend, I think they're going to be within like two days of each other in terms of returning to the field. Uh, so it, I, I I don't know if that will mean he's a hundred percent, but apparently the threshold of being able to play is is around that three and a half week timetable. And okay, and then here's a question. You know, I'm I've been I'm so against people staying out of bowl games. You know, everybody thinking of themselves, right? Heaven forbid I should. You know, worry about somebody thinking of themselves. But to have a guy that was out like that and to come in against Ole Miss, they, I mean, yeah, okay, you need him. He's a great player. But um, do you put him on the field, even if he wants to play? I mean, I, I'm sure he wants to play. There's no doubt. But I'm sure there's got to be people around him, you know, that are saying, man, you're fixing to make millions and millions. You know, why don't you just not play for a little while, you know, see what they do in the playoffs or something like that, you know, and then maybe play. So, I mean, I'm just – surely they're not going to put this guy out on the field. And, and and is it reliable? I mean, I guess has Tua not had any more issues out of this? Like, I mean, no reoccurrence? No, I, not that I recall. I mean, I, he might have had one injury early in his Miami tenure – uh, his injuries last year were head related. Obviously, he, he I can't rule. I can't remember his first year. I know he was banged up a little bit, but the last two years, let's put it that way, he's not happened the last two years. Uh, Lord willing, that continues. But uh, okay. you know, I I will say this: that those kids usually don't have to be too convinced when you're chasing a title to, to come back and right. and, and play. Yeah. And, and this is a huge game for Georgia. I mean, I know that it's in Athens, and, and I think we're all going to end up picking Georgia. But I mean, it is a top ten team, and and uh, that that's a oh, huge yeah. game, and and this is the kind of the time this for the Tennessee game. I mean, if you want to get in a meaningful game, with all due respect to Georgia Tech, if you want to get in a right. meaningful game prior to the SEC title game to see what you got and how you can move and that sort of thing, then then this or next week would be the time. So, uh, you know, right. maybe maybe it is a week early, and, and we'll we'll find yeah. out. Uh, but I know that this is the type of game that you want your best players available in. Man, and I know we've talked about what is actually prime time game and what's not. And I, 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 my opinion, of course, is a seven o'clock game. But boy, I'm not going to be there. But uh, I'd sure like to hear that crowd noise when Brock Bauer gets announced the starting tight end, seven o'clock with game day there. I oh mean, yeah, that's probably that's going to be probably one of the biggest noises in Georgia. 
Dang. Um, well, uh, I, I really don't have a whole lot going on. But hey, let me let me put this out here. I don't know if you all have uh, have thought about this. You've got you're on a two game winning streak, SEC winning streak. Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, uh, two frees going to Arkansas. Pittman. You know, they're talking about maybe getting rid of him or something. Sure. Uh, what do you think that uh, Freeze doesn't even come back from Arkansas? You know, <laughs> you all might need to. He's Freeze is a young guy. You all could probably get a twenty-year contract for two hundred million right now. <laughs> and I, I, you know, just to keep him there because you know how it is. I, I, I guarantee you, what's his face is going to put it in their mind. We got a guy right here. He's flown in. This is your man. You can have him. So Auburn might be in on the middle of a big buyout again. <laughs> he, he Freeze is good friends with Gus Malzahn, but uh, yeah. exactly. If, so you can and, if, and could you you could use the buyout money you get from Hugh Freeze leaving to pay off Gus Malzahn's contract. So it'd pretty much be a wash. I don't know now. Do you all still owe Gus Malzahn money after he got a, a contract extension? Does that apply towards what Auburn still owes him? I th- I'm pretty sure that the amount of money he's getting – I'm not positive about this. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure the salary he's getting from UCF is offsetting what Auburn owed him. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Auburn's paid off that amount by now. I mean, they, they owe it – because a lot of it was due when yeah, he was half, fired. Half, half of it was due right. within 10 days of his firing. So uh, surely right. the money is all in pocket for him now, and he's just getting paid by UCF and more power to him. I'll say, though, uh, yeah. if if Hugh Freeze wants to stay in Arkansas, then yeah. they can have him. I know you <laughs> yeah, they can and that's, that's not a shot can. at Hugh Freeze. That's, that's me saying, no. look, if you think your chances – at winning championships right. are better at Arkansas than they are at Auburn. Arkansas. You know, go knock yourself out. Yeah. The to to be conclusive there with the Malzahn situation, half of it was paid within the the first month. Other installments, um, annual installments for four years of two point six eight million a year. So that would have been, I think, that would still be in the middle of that. So I'm not oh, sure wow. if it offsets, okay. but if he was fired in twenty, then it should be twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. So this the next year would be the last year to be paid. If, if, if okay, there's no like, offsetting there, yeah, I guess he coached longer than I thought because it was forty nine million, right? And then, but he coached two years. Either way, I can't do that kind of math, especially <laughs> not while I'm driving. But dang, it doesn't matter. Like I said before, he makes a whole lot more money than I think he deserves, or than anybody deserves. Goodness gracious! And then, um, all right, guys. Well, I really don't have anything else going on, but hey. Before I appreciate you giving me all the time you that you do, but can we go over the equestrian schedule? Oh, no. You know, before we get off the phone here, <laughs> I mean, I, I know y'all got it. We got y'all got a new coach, and I just really, well, you know, I was looking at when I woke up this morning and got on my computer about four thirty. I, I saw this article. I can't remember the guy's name. Hold on, my wife's calling me. I do have to go, guys. <laughs> but I appreciate all the time you gave me, and I will hopefully call in and talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, appreciate the phone call, Jeff. Uh, I almost gave him a War Eagle because of who he was simulating there. But uh, that's Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 today. For, for a non-Auburn fan calling into this show that, that, that regularly does, 
Jeff just always brightens my day, man. I, I, <laughs> we love Jeff, I, yeah. I really enjoy when Jeff calls in. We love all of our callers. Jeff's awesome, uh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, on the on the Brock Bauer situation, I, I read. I think I read what he was reading yesterday, which was that Bowers has now got a shot at playing on Saturday. When we were oh. on air yesterday, I was thinking of you know wanting to see that game from the standpoint of, okay, if Ole Miss can keep it close, possession or too late, you know, what, where does Georgia turn in a close game in that situation? Well, they might be able to turn back to, to Brock Bowers uh, because he is maybe on track to play there. And that tightrope surgery, I mean, again, it's I, I could give you very long, hard-to-pronounce words on all the things, but it's it's tibia, fibula-related, uh, fibula and it's, again, about stabilization but allowing movement and that sort of thing. So it's just, again, it, it is with the ankle and, and tying the ankle and the, and the knee from – kind of stabilizing and that sort of thing so uh and, and that is what Tua had uh, when he missed a few weeks there i believe that was 2019 uh when, when he got injured because that was the year mac jones ended up playing the iron bowl uh or no was that 2017 27 no i don't know it, it was Math. 19 it was 19 years, yeah. years okay uh yes does the kobe mcclain pick six year yes that was 17 auburn started, beat yeah. Jalen Hurts in the Iron yep. Bowl, 19. They beat Max Jones. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, memories. Anyway, uh, so I think Brock Bowers will, you know, I, so again, as I told Jeff, I think those guys in this situation, yes, they stand to technically lose some financially. I think, though, that the as long as it's something that is not a life-changing injury, we've gotten good enough at medicine to where you can recover from just about anything at least once, and – teams are not going to be overly scared off by that it might affect you five to ten picks but i'm not sure that there are many cases of yeah that guy i mean heck jameson williams still went what first round to yeah. detroit didn't he yeah. he had torn his acl in the title game against georgia and he still went first round so maybe he could have gone five to ten more spots up i, I don't remember exactly i think it was in the 20s or something but Again, it's not like these are like, oh, yeah, first to fifth round, and therefore you've lost $20 million because of it. So I think that combined with the NIL money that you now make as a big-time player, uh, you know, that's the whole reason whether you believe it or not, and I don't, but whether you believe it or not, if Caleb Williams wanted to put the money where the mouth was and not turn pro because he didn't like you at the first pick this year – He's financially fine. I promise you the dude makes seven figures. Promise. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so when you do that, it puts you in a position to have a, a, a cushion blow because these guys still on some level are going to be incredibly valuable with at least one contract in the league. And so, again, if I was going with the worst-case scenario for Caleb Williams, if he had blown his knee out this year, which, again, please don't do that, but if he had blown his knee out this year, worst case, he's going to fall to the second or third quarterback. And guess where they're getting taken? Top five in the draft because this is a loaded QB draft class. Maybe someone decides on Drake May over him. But other than that, he's getting picked next, and that's still a 20 or $30 million uh, guaranteed contract. So, again, it is it, you, for these top guys that it matters a lot, it is not usually a game changer for them. And so, yeah, I think that – I think that Bowers is well within sanity to come back, even if it might be a week early. You know, he doesn't want to get re-injured just for Georgia's. I mean, just for his ability to play in the most important games and play in the playoffs and that sort of thing. But 
uh you know if he if he's 80 90 he wants to do it then uh, i love the competitiveness i would want that out of everybody i know that it is more in vogue to sit out bowl games that are not the playoff it's not my preference i understand the reasoning but it's not necessarily what i want to see but uh again he he's in a different situation because they could still win a title they still have all the biggest games of the season in front of them and Again, they, they may they may end up needing him against Ole Miss. If Ole Miss can function offensively the way they are capable of, that's going to be a true test in that game. Yeah, I don't think that Georgia would be throwing him out there if there was a major risk of re-injuring that, that ankle. Um, I, I think it'll be fine. I think that, the, like you say, you look at the, the Tua Tagovailoa recovery timeline, they'd be within two days of each other uh, as far as when they come back. So. I don't have any major concerns about Brock Bowers coming back too early at this point. Um, now, I'm certainly not a doctor, but they definitely have doctors involved, especially for this guy, uh, a guy that has as bright a future as he does, as much money as he has coming his way. But um, I, I think that if he needed to sit out for health reasons, he could, because I think Georgia feels confident in their ability to win this game without him. Obviously, he helps. He's one of the best players in college football, but I don't think that there's any real danger with him coming back too early here. Sure, and again, they, they can do all sorts of stuff, play him fewer snaps. Yeah. Uh, I think they had a tight end catch a touchdown last week even against Missouri. So, uh, again, Georgia's still – for as great as Brock Bowers is, they are proving that they – or more than just a Brock Power situation there offensively and as a team. We're going to head to our first time out here of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll talk some more Auburn stuff. Got to get into Auburn-Arkansas a little bit, some of the dynamics on that matchup coming up on Saturday. Also, some of these recruiting news and nuggets. I know Wardam Steve got into it a little bit in the 3 o'clock hour. We need to get into a little bit more specific with Auburn basketball and Auburn baseball on their recruiting halls. Today, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening to After the Fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here today. D.P. Hammock with us for one more segment, taking your phone calls and running the board for us. Again, you can hear him with Brooks Childress at the final high school coaches show of the year from the end zone bar and grill we will be doing some studio stuff for that throughout the entirety of the playoffs still having a few coaches on and that sort of thing it'll just be kind of a slimmed down production a little bit shorter on the evening so we will continue that each wednesday through the remainder of the playoffs but again the final full show out at the end zone bar and grill today so come by and see those guys get some good food and listen to some great area high school coaches all right let's talk some recruiting we will get into auburn arkansas in a little bit 
Let's talk recruiting, though, because today was a signing day uh, for basically everything that was not football. I mean, you're gonna you if you dig through the the news articles today, you might find something on just about every sport. Uh, but we're gonna focus on the basketball and baseball part of it. Auburn was able to get uh, two very important players there for basketball for its 2024 class, uh, and of course, first was that Tahad Pettiford signed. For Auburn, that is signed, sealed, delivered, and so the number twenty-five player in the country according to two four seven, and number two at his position, Tahad Pettiford, uh, out of the state of New Jersey, is signing for Auburn. So again, huge get. They don't rank as many players five stars in basketball as they do in football. Number twenty-five would absolutely be five star in football, but if you see on two four seven or on a random site that he's four-star, that is why. He is five-star on some, he's four-star on some, and just not as many players are rated there. But, uh, I I mean, number 25 player in the country, I don't think I have to tell you uh, how much that means. He's the fifth-highest-rated recruit of all time that Auburn has signed. And then Ja'Kai Howard, who, again, big – a uh, big player that Auburn was able to get a commitment from today. To my knowledge, I'm not sure if he signed just yet, but it was a commitment today uh, from Overtime Elite out of Atlanta. Uh, they Same AAU squad, I believe, as Pettiford. We were talking about that earlier. But number 85 player uh, in the country. And, again, I think he'll be a wing. I think it would probably be a three, if I had to guess, uh, at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, and then about 180 or so, depending on where you look. But, again, definitely a skinnier guy. I said earlier maybe power forward, but probably on further review more of a three. A- incredibly athletic, though. And so, Brant, two top 100 players. He's rated the 14th highest player of Auburn, Auburn's recruiting hall. So you could choose to look at this say, oh, they, they missed out on Phylon, ultimately missed out on Flory Bedunga, but still two of the highest 14 ranked recruits ever that Auburn basketball has secured today. Yeah, I saw a stat earlier today that of the top 20 highest recruits Auburn's ever signed, I think 17 of them have been under Bruce Pearl. It just goes to show how much he's done to turn this program, to to build this program into what it is now. Uh, but yeah, I think both of these kids um, are big time to Hod Pettiford. We know what he's going to be. Number two point guard in the class of 2024. Everybody, We've gone over that kid a lot since the day he committed and uh, you know put ink to paper today. So that's a big time get. Ja'Kai Howard, the kid uh, is super athletic, long, especially for a kid who's 6'6", got that plus wingspan that basketball people love. Um and can just jump out of the building. It just a, a dunk machine from that wing spot. Definitely a slasher as much as anything else. He has a three-point shot. He's got a decent mid-range. Not what he's known for, but he can do it. He's got a good enough jumper to threaten from range, make guys play out on him. So the I think another really good addition. Um, I think next. I think the next step is okay. Who's next year's big man going to be? Because Dylan Cardwell is going to be gone. Janai Broom is probably is also going to be gone. I think they they are both seniors. They're out of eligibility. So you've got to go get two more centers, and one of them needs to be a, a, a legit center. So uh, th- that's the next piece of the puzzle that needs to fall in. But I think next year's backcourt, Aiden Holloway. It's only been one game. I'm not going to predict that he's a one and done yet. But if he continues to average 15 to 20 points, then you could definitely see him going a year early. But if he is back next year, you get you have the ability to hold on to Trey Donaldson and you add to Hod Pettiford into the mix. You've got a backcourt of three really spectacular guards um, that are going to be rotating in that in those two guard spots. So. Uh, I'm excited about this class. I'm looking forward to what comes next, and I think that Auburn basketball is going to keep rolling. 
Yeah, so uh, I, I will say, you know, they, they do have – this is his fourth year of college, but because the first year was 2020 and the ever still elusive, what does 2020 mean? I believe Janai Broom does still have one more eligibility. Okay. It's the thought that since he was so close to leaving in the draft process, if he has the year he wants to have, right. he would probably take that final step and go, go pro. But certainly, as you said, with Cardwell – uh, with the fact that they don't really have another true center, you know they got some Cheney Johnson, some Jalen Williams, who's Jalen Williams about to be out of eligibility. Yep, uh, that will become the need in twenty four uh, for for sure. Is someone in the portal? Which again, that's why the from the roster building standpoint, Peyton Marshall was at least somewhat significant because he was a center, top one hundred prospect. Again, top one hundred prospects, you got to be careful. It's not a guarantee you're going to get something big early, but you definitely have the opportunity to have that, and so. Uh, you know, they from that standpoint could have really benefited there. Alas, though, they've got point guard position covered again, good or bad, with Aiden Hallway this year, who again early returns really good. Uh, but but Pettiford coming in, Hallway was the number sixteen player last year. Pettiford twenty five this year, so very similar caliber there. Uh, and, and so Jakai, and then and so that's one thing. And then again with uh, getting another top one hundred player which, again, was kind of on the radar, but at the same time still had to make a decision today with Ja'Kai Howard. Again, that's an, another another win there. So you've got a top 25 class. I would caution people, and we were talking about this off air prior to the segment, I'd caution people not to get too hung up on basketball recruiting rankings. Um, it is so much about quantity there, and it's not even fair. And I was talking the, the example – I was using was that Auburn's average is over 98 for their two players and they're 25th but Villanova for example is 20th having three players that average a 93 I would rather have the two I'm not not, just because it's Auburn I'd rather have the two 98s than the three 93s personally so uh basketball recruiting is it gets overwhelmed by the difference of just one or two numbers and sometimes you don't need those numbers sometimes you do sometimes you don't but Auburn's got two really quality players top 100 players with Ja'Kai Howard and again Tahad Pettifer Auburn baseball real quickly so baseball recruiting harder to spend much time on harder to uh, digest the same way but I will tell you that perfect game does do baseball recruiting rankings and Auburn comes out today as the number four class yep. in college baseball. Butch Thompson, I mean, he's recruited well. They've had some misfortune with the likes of Gunnar Henderson and some of these guys going pro early, which, again, that's always the, the battle you fight with top high school kids. But what, with what Auburn has landed, top five class this year, it yep. appears, for 2024. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Butch Thompson has been steadily growing this program since he got here, and, and this is – this is the highest ranked class in Auburn baseball history. This is a this is a excellent class. I mean, it's kind of funny. We just talked about how in basketball, don't pay too much attention to where you're ranking, but that's because you only have what 15 basketball scholarships to hand out. Um, in baseball, you've got more than that. You've got 11 guys that are on the field at any one time, as opposed to five. So rankings are important in the are more important in baseball and football than they are in basketball. And you you look at this class. I'll be honest. I don't understand. Every I, I don't know every player. I don't know every detail about it. But I will say that the fact that Butch Thompson has continued to build this program the way he has, um, he ha- there's an expectation for Auburn baseball to be great when there wasn't a couple of years ago. And it's in much the same way that there's an expectation for Auburn basketball to be great when, they, when there wasn't a, a, a couple of years ago. 
Um, I think that Butch Thompson has done a great job building this program, and I think that as Auburn continues to climb in recruiting rankings, I think we'll see them get deeper and deeper uh, into postseason play. And uh, I think that Auburn has to be happy. I think that they have done the smart thing. In uh, I, I mean, you look at the upgrades that they're making to Plainsman Park right now. I think that that goes a long way in say in proving to recruits, hey, we're investing in this program. Hey, we're trying to expand. We want to go deeper. We want Auburn baseball to be on the map. And I think that this just proves they definitely are. I'll give you one set of numbers here before we take our next commercial break. So again, Auburn being fourth. They have two top 100 recruits according to Perfect Game. There is a wide chasm between first, second, and then the rest. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you the SEC teams in the top 25 because, again, life in the SEC and recruiting and baseball is very similar to football. LSU, listen to this. So Auburn has 18 players and two top 100. LSU has 20 commits, 13 of them are top 100 players. Rich get richer. And Tennessee second. Again, I put them in the same boat. 23 players committed nine in the yeah. top 100. Those two teams alone, over 20% of the yeah. top 100 players available. I'm going to go through real quickly the other top 25 SEC teams. So LSU's one, Tennessee's two, Texas. Got to count them for next year. I guess well, two years from now. But Texas at three. Auburn at four. Vandy at five. Texas A&M six. Ole Miss is – or excuse me. Vandy at five, A and M at eight, and then Ole Miss at nine, Georgia at twelve, Florida at fourteen, South Carolina at fifteen, Arkansas at sixteen, and then you scroll down a little bit more, Alabama at twenty-three, Mississippi State at twenty-four. That is thirteen of the soon to be sixteen SEC schools that are in the top twenty-five in recruiting. So again, That's brutal life in the SEC recruiting wise. Again, very treacherous. For really all these sports, baseball certainly included. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we will get into some Auburn, Arkansas, a little bit of a preview. Also, more thoughts on Auburn Baylor from last night. And a little bit later at 5.15, we'll have Joe Barnell of Rotowire to discuss the fantasy side of the National Football League. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, coming up in a little over a half hour, we'll have Joe Bartle of RotoWire talk a little NFL, a little fantasy with Joe after his bye week last week. For now, let's talk some Auburn, Arkansas as we start to turn the page towards the next weekend for the Tigers. In a way, and look, I, I think that. The Iron Bowl still, with what it means, with Alabama being 
in position to still compete for a playoff spot. Obviously, that's the true moment of decision in the season and what people will want to see and the importance of that game. But I will say in the short term, prior to that game, this is a, a little moment of decision for Auburn, it feels like, coming into Arkansas because it's a more of a road game than Vandy. Just from the standpoint of, guys, by the way, if you couldn't tell on TV, it's about 60-40 Auburn fans in Nashville. I mean, the entire road sideline, minus they do put Vandy's student section over there. Uh, so the entire rest of it was Auburn fans. So it was about 90-10 over there. And then looked down the home side, and it was only about 70-30 Vandy on, on their home side, maybe 75-25. So what that amounts to is more Auburn fans than Vanderbilt fans. That will not be the case in Fayetteville. And it's also a team that, look, maybe they're just a little bit better than Vandy and they're on the same level as Mississippi State. I get it, although I think that if they had uh, not Dan Enos against Mississippi State, they would have been fine and would have won that game. It is a team that's fighting for a head coach, and sometimes that can – fly over our heads when the coach is kind of just a generic coach and he's not well-liked. Sam Pittman's well-liked. And we saw a well-liked coach in Baton Rouge get an extra year or so because of how much they wanted to fight for less miles. And that kind of thing can happen. And so this at least feels like it would be the validation of what we've seen the last couple weeks. Like, yes, it's not just Auburn's opponents. It is real progress for Auburn's football team. Is that how you feel, Brand, or is it still just um, – is it all about Arkansas, just their record, or or, or is it, can this can this validate the last couple of weeks? I think if you come out here and you show competency on offense again, it absolutely validates what we've seen the past couple of weeks. Uh, Arkansas, like, like you said, they are not Vanderbilt and they are not Mississippi State. They are a team with some good talent. They have recruited well, especially for what Arkansas is used to over the past couple of years, and Sam Pittman's fighting for his job. There, there were – Two weeks ago, I had pronounced Sam Pittman dead. Then they make the change at offensive coordinator. Uh, Kenny Guyton takes over as play caller, their wide receiver coach. And last week against Florida, they looked like a completely different team. They scored three. They scored three points against Mississippi State, and then thirty-nine in Gainesville. That that's a significant change uh, for from what everyone from what they had been doing. Um, this is not a typical three and six team. This is a team that. Loves their head coach. I mean, everybody loves Sam Pittman, right? Uh, and they legitimately want to save his job. And I, I don't know. I, I Earlier today, I predicted Arkansas to win this game. Now, what that does not mean that that is definitely unvalidating what you've done. I just think that Arkansas is doing their best to turn a page and save Sam Pittman. Um, I think this game is more important to Arkansas than it is to Auburn because of what it means. Now, if Auburn does win this game, I think that's a big deal. I think that it does absolutely prove that you are moving in the right direction and there's no argument to be made. Um, and I think Sam Pittman might be fired on Monday. It, it feels that way for me. But you saw what they did. Florida is not great, but they are not a terrible team either. Um you did something that Tennessee couldn't do. Right. Whether, whether right. Florida's any good whatsoever or not, Tennessee didn't go down there and win. Right. Uh, this is this is a this is this might be the best three and sixteen that's ever played college football. Uh, but, Shout out to Nebraska of the last couple of years. So. Right. Right. I, I have no idea if Auburn's going to win this game or not. I am picking Arkansas, but I will say that given everything, 
it would be embar- it would be very impressive if Auburn just looks good on offense because their their defense is not bad. Their defense coordinator is Travis Williams, by the way, yep. uh, a guy who every Auburn fan loves, and I think has done a pretty decent job. It's not great, but it's not bad either, um, especially for a guy who's a first time Power Five defensive coordinator. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I mean, I, you look at the defense though. I mean, it. it it was a high-scoring game in the Swamp last week. Right. But when you hold Ole Miss to 27 and Bama 24, yeah. thus giving yourself yeah. chances to win, and you're on the road in those games, I mean, that meant the de- yeah. defense traveled and gave your, at that point, a benign offense an opportunity, which, again, I could argue that if they just simply – if they end up beating Auburn and they end up competing with or beating Missouri at the end of the year, that one also in Fayetteville – if they end up doing those things, then you do maybe have to revise the first half of their season to say, yeah. yeah, they just made a really bad offensive coordinator hire. Yeah. Bad decision with their offense. If they hadn't, they would have been the eight-win team that we kind of thought they could be yeah. at the beginning of the year. If they go from two and six to making a bowl game, I mean, one, what in the world were you doing hiring Dan Enos? Yeah. But two, Sam Pittman's definitely back next year. I think Kenny Guyton gets promotion to full-time offensive coordinator. Yeah. And Arkansas is a team to watch if they can replace KJ Jefferson, which is a big ask. Right. But this is such this is such a crossroads for Arkansas, and really all Auburn wants to do is say, "Hey, can we move the ball against a halfway decent SEC team?" That that's kind of where these two teams are. This is such an important game for Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like it is a save your job moment from mm-hmm. a week to week basis. They've got FIU after Auburn, so they'll win that game. Um, and and again that that will give them a bowl opportunity if they are able to beat Auburn. Yes, that is Missouri, but it, again it is a home game for Arkansas the day after Thanksgiving. And again, if you have been winners of three straight at that point, then again I think we're operating under a little different circumstances than just the record. Again, I'm going to be interested to see because again they they have gotten uh, now transitioning in Auburn day. They have gotten such I think solid quarterback production the last two weeks i know that there were two awful throws one was a pick six and one was a dropped interception in the auburn end zone or the other end zone but for the most part you have had such a solid quarterback part component of it Mm -hmm. overall pass production still not awesome because it's 190 yards and that's where the other problems with receivers and that sort of thing came in i mean two two receptions of note Camden Brown and Mari Kelly make that a 300-yard yeah. passing production game. But nevertheless, the production still seems to be capped around the low 200s. Be interested to see if either they can break through that ceiling and approach 300 yards with a couple of, with a couple of big plays being hit. They still got one. They got the fairweather play, but convert both or, or all opportunities down the field. Or... If the rushing, not from a yardage standpoint, because it's not always just about yards, but if they can get themselves in the third and fourth and short or in the red zone, or if they're backed up again, first and 10 at their own six, what those situations look like. Because as you try to move through the progress of this team, they've now finally progressed into, okay, we can actually score on a, on a 60 or 70-yard field. We can have an explosive run. We can have an explosive pass. So, can you do now? You got some big things you've got. You've done. Can you now get back into the weeds and now yeah. start the progression of situational stuff where 
you can move the ball outside the shadow of your own goalpost, and you can eliminate some drops and make the most of whatever opportunities you create. That feels like it's the next step in the progression, which, again, that means that in some sort they have already progressed. Unless they just score seven points on Saturday and have 200 yards offense, there is still some sort of progression that's been made to this point. But that's the next step. That's the step that if you really want to win the Iron Bowl, if you really want to have a great shot at it, that's the kind of stuff that you'll have to figure out. You can't just win that game based off of a turnover or two and three or four short fields and one big play. You'll have to flip a field at some point. You'll have to convert the big play down the field whenever it's available, however many times it's available. You know, you will have to get off the field on a lot of third downs, which they did a great job of against Vandy until that one drive in the fourth quarter. I think again, I think Vandy was shut out on third downs until yeah. the fourth quarter. Yep. The, the, that stuff, though, early in the year was a problem in the Georgia game. So those are now the, the stuff within the stuff. The Okay, we've gotten the very top of the tree figured out. Can't Or maybe if you want to use it, the very base of the tree figured out. Now can you get into the branches of it and get into the real tough, this is what defines what good football teams are capable of doing. So, so what's the confidence level for you that they can start to do some of that against Arkansas? Yeah, like you said, you need to be able to move it three yards in a cloud of dust when the other team knows that inside zone is coming. That's the biggest issue for Auburn right now. And my confidence level is not high. I don't think it's because of any coaching thing. I think it's just you don't have the guys to do it right now. Um, it, moving guys in the trenches is so hard to do, and it gets so much harder when the other team can expect what's coming. Um I, I, I will say that if they can do it against Arkansas, then suddenly that Iron Bowl looks a whole lot more winnable, especially if they can do it in Fayetteville. I don't know. Ask me again, <laughs> ask me again on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I, that, that's the thing, too, and we'll get into more of the statistics of Arkansas's defense tomorrow and Friday. Um, but just as a generic statement, again, that's what I'm looking for because I now think that Auburn will make two to three big plays in the game. Maybe they result in touchdowns. Maybe they're a 50-yard play down to the 15-yard line. I don't know. But I'm, I now see that in the offense because they are scheming better and because yes. they are doing different things in the passing game now and that has opened up the ability to have a big play in the passing game. And then dating back to the Ole Miss game, they've now had multiple big runs from Jarquez Hunter against, again, two different opponents. So – that, to me, feels like they can get at least one or two explosive runs. But it's everything in between. So I just I gave you two to three successful drives because you'll get two or three successful huge plays. So now, again, what happens in the other five to eight drives, depending on how many drives are available to you in the game? And so that's when it's like, yeah, I mean, you're not always going to have a great field position. And that's something that they have not succeeded in the last two weeks. Again, I, I again, for the most part, supported their decision against Mississippi State. It's easy to do that when you win by two touchdowns. And then, obviously, you saw what negative things can happen when you call bad stuff or have shaky stuff when inside the 10-yard line against Vandy, and you had the absolute worst play that could happen with the pick six. So you've now had two different kinds of failure, I guess, trying to get the ball out of your, the shadow of your own goalpost. Goal so Odds are you're going to have a possession that starts inside the 20 at some point. So how does that drive when that yeah. situation arises? And then, like I said, I just in the obvious run situation, 
can you do you figure out a wrinkle do you try something different or do you say we're just going to execute this better and we're going to gain another yard a push you know that that that's the determination the coaching staff will make and that will be an important thing to see because again arkansas your season's basically two games now two well you know three if you count the ball game because again they're going to beat new mexico state so you got two games and in a sense, it's not pure warm-up for Alabama, but in importance-wise, because you've now feel good about New Mexico State, you feel good about being in a bowl game, in a sense, it is what can you do to continue this improvement with the sight on trying to be your arch rival, take them out of a playoff conversation, and that sort of thing. So, again, that's some of the things, again, generically speaking, looking out for against Arkansas if you're Auburn for that game in Fayetteville on Saturday. We need to take a timeout to end our number two on the other side of this break. Again, coming up at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire. So we'll warm up for that with a little NFL for you on the other side of this timeout. And also, just after that, we'll try to squeeze a little bit more in on Auburn basketball thoughts after that loss against Baylor in South Dakota last night with Brant Daughtry. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Two hours in the books. We continue with Sports Call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Wednesday. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll have Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire join us, talk some fantasy football also want to remind you in about an hour on this very station, Tiger 95.9, we will have the High School Coaches Show, final one of the year from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock will be out there. We want you to go say hello to them and listen in to some of the great coaches, high school coaches in this area. And again, reminder that Borgarn High School will have a playoff game at Gulf Shores. Man, I'd love to be there. Uh <laughs> Uh, but be at Gulf Shores on Friday night, same airtime, 6.30, same kickoff time, 7 o'clock right here on Tiger 95.9. All right, so again, a few minutes for Joe Bartle. He'll talk some fancy with us. But, Brant, just curious because we don't get – you and I don't get to talk much NFL, uh, that we save that primarily for this part of the show on a Wednesday or a lot of the Thursday show. We're halfway home in the NFL yep. season. What has interested you so far? Um, other than the Atlanta Falcons – pretty much just taking years off of my life. <laughs> um, it, I think there are a lot of teams that were expected to be really good this year that haven't been. The one that's most interesting to me, the Buffalo Bills currently sitting at 5-4, and four, and they're the eight seed in the AFC right now. 
Um, that's something that I definitely do want to ask Joe about uh, in, a, sure. in a couple of minutes. But uh, the Seahawks have lost some weird games. Um, Joe Burrow and the Bengals got off to a slow start, but it feels like they're coming back now. The Jets situation has been really interesting to watch because uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, he throws one pass, it's incomplete, and then his Achilles snaps. Uh, and now their entire season is just uh, turned on its head. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in the NFL right now. I feel like there is no... I, I think that the 49ers and the Eagles have kind of separated themselves. I think those two can state claim to the best two teams in the NFL. I think the Chiefs are up there with them. But after that, I don't think there's any team that every week you go, this team should definitely win, uh, regardless of who they're playing. I think there's a lot of parity in the NFL right now, and I think that a lot of it is because those teams just aren't playing as well as they should. Again, the biggest one is by far the Bills. Um, I think you can also lump Atlanta into that. I I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan, so I'm going to be biased. But the Falcons were expected to be an, a, a 10, 11, 12 win team this year. They're currently sitting at four and five, and there are reasons for that. But still, just teams that expected to be executing at a certain level have not been this year. And then you can look at the 49ers and what they've done. You can say, yeah, they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. They're I think they're leading the NFC in the record in record right now. Are they not? Is it the Eagles? Oh yeah, that's okay. the Eagles. They, okay. they got one loss. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the Eagles. Um, but the 49ers, uh, Brock Purdy, when he's not surrounded by all the talent, looks a little more human, which makes sense. Any quarterback would. But still, with the injuries they've had, have kind of knocked them down a peg even. So the NFL very interesting right now for sure. Yeah, I, I would think it's a case of. The, the top teams may be looking a little bit closer to their next-tier counterparts. Because mm-hmm. even Philly at 8-1 went through a stretch early in the year where they were barely eking out games. And by the way, no one's talking about it because it's Dallas, and when Dallas screws up, that's going to headline the league. Philly almost handed that game to them. Yeah. That was really bad stuff at the end of that game. No one's talking about because then Dallas takes a delay game, takes a sack late, and it's over. Philly dropped the ball with a minute left, <laughs> and and if Dallas recovers that, they start their uh, the, the Philly thirty yard line with a minute left. That was about the only way Dallas could have had a chance until Philly <laughs> commits penalties and gives up huge plays on the, on the in the last sixty seconds. So. Even Philly has looked a little more human. I still think they're really damn good because of their lines of scrimmage. Uh, they've got the uh, skill position players figured out, defense, coach. I mean, they, they check all the boxes. It's just maybe been uh, – it, it's not been as forceful this year as maybe it could have been. Right. You're t- <laughs> this is just a funny thing. You, when you're talking about the Eagles' lines of scrimmage, um, you remember last year when the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line put out a Christmas album? <laughs> yeah. I, I showed it to you last year. They are doing it again. Oh no! <laughs> they have they have already released one song from it. Um, I believe it's the right tackle. I think uh-huh. Jordan Mailata, just an incredible voice on Heck that yeah. guy. He's he's actually like an in, a really incredible singer. Uh-huh. Uh, and I could be getting his position and the pronunciation of his uh-huh. last name wrong, but. The, the Eagles' offensive line, very good and very talented in things outside of football as well. That, that, that's crazy. But, but yeah, San Francisco, three-game losing streak. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't look the same. Uh, Kansas City has won in a different way this year. They're actually top three or four in almost every single defensive statistic that matters. So Casey's won a lot of lower-scoring games this year, and 
Casey's offense has been good, but not to their ceiling because of the lack of great wide receivers for them. Uh, meanwhile, Miami can't win a game against an above 500 team, but they can't <laughs> lose a game against the contrary. And then, as you said, Buffalo, uh, it's just they're not in playoff position right now. There's yeah. seven teams to make it. You said they're eighth, and, and so they wouldn't be in. That and I, I'd echo all your stuff. But I, I have a word on all of it because the Jets, to me, have shown you why it was such a big deal that they got Aaron Rodgers because they it wasn't even that they needed MVP level Rodgers from three years ago. They needed a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League because they have maybe the worst starting quarterback <laughs> in the National Football League. I mean, there are backups. I'm telling you, I would take Gardner Minshew over him. I'd do it. Yeah. He's not in yeah. the starter. He only is because Anthony Richardson is hurt. I'd take Gardner Minshew over him. Uh, and there's probably some – I would. Josh Dobbs is not supposed to be a starter. I'd take Josh Dobbs over him. So, anyway, he is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> and they're 4-4. Four and four. Like, they are the, the – I think that it's them and the Raiders on either Sunday or Monday night this coming week. And it's the most watchable, unwatchable game. Yeah. Because one of those teams is going to be in the graphic at the end of the year. It's the, it's that playoff graphic, <laughs> and it's the wild card, and then, like, still in the hunt. And there's this team that doesn't look like it should still be in the hunt, but it's got, like, two out of 1,000 scenarios to still be in. And that's going to be either the Jets or the Raiders at the end of the year because one's 4-4 four and four, one's 4-5 and five right now. But but you see, why, you see why New York was being – really talked about as a contender because if you're four and four with Wilson, I'd like to think just in a vacuum, you're probably like six and two with Rogers yeah. at, at the least. And so uh, they, they've had the defense, but just not the quarterback. And then I, I think that besides that, yeah, our division stinks. It's not any good. <laughs> um, and it's, Saint, Saints currently at the top of the trash heap with a yeah. whopping five and four, four record. Yeah. I mean, I, I said before the year, I thought 10 would win it. And I thought it'd be Atlanta at 10. Now I think nine was going to win it, and it's going to be yeah, either right. Atlanta or New Orleans. But I'm starting to lean New Orleans now, and this teeter totter of a yuck fest. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think they have the best quarterback play. That, that's what's really putting them over the top. I think Rashid Shahid has really come on. I think that kid is yeah really good. And Michael Thomas is not what he used to be, but he's still over there, and he's still talented enough. As much as you know, I come at him with the slant boy thing, right? It, it, which is legitimate, but he is still a pretty talented wide receiver. And now you pair him up with Rashid Shahid and um, uh, Alvin Kamara, and it, yeah, and, and Chris Olave. I mean, yeah, they got Olave, weapons, yeah. man, and, yeah. and a, a quarterback who is not great but right. is competent most of the time. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> the winner is going to be a nine or ten win team, and just barely get over the line and probably get right. stomped in the first round. Right. And with, again, to the knowledge of the, the NFC South's divisional matchups were the AFC South and the NFC North, and the AFC South has one good team because Tennessee's kind of kind of just fallen off enough. Yeah. Indy's not ready, and especially not with Richardson out now. Houston's fine, but they're still week-to-week. Rookie quarterback, they're going to have a great week like they had last week, and then they're going to have a bad week. I mean, that's that's kind of how rookies go for the most part. So there's really one good team there. And then at NFC North, I kind of tell you, it's the same thing. Now, Minnesota's won four in a row post-Justin Jefferson injury because things make sense. Jordan and, Addison, man. Right, right been, well, true. Been fantastic. Uh, but still, for the most part, okay, well, middle of the pack team. We'll give them that. Good comeback season for them after starting one and four. But really, Detroit's the only good team because Chicago's absolutely terrible, and Green Bay's not any good for the first time in 30 years. I don't yeah. know. So you know, that – 
those two divisions are about the weakest divisions in the sport alongside with the NFC South, and that's who the South's got. And so these teams, all these teams were not even winning games against teams that are not any good. So, yeah, that division, not the not the greatest, but we love it very much. And uh, <laughs> someone will win and someone will lose in a playoff game. So that's, that's how it will go. But, hey, get to the playoffs, I'll tell you. Just, just because all none of our teams can be too choosy. We've all had rough history, so <laughs> you, you just win a division, you hang that banner, and you move on, and yep. you, you look to next year. Yep. But uh, coming up now, we'll take our first time out here, the five o'clock hour. When we come back, Joe Bartle of Roto Wire will join us. We'll talk all things fantasy football with him next. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brent Dontry with you here on this Wednesday. We are now excited to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire, fresh off the bye week. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing quite well. And, of course, uh, weren't able to, to link up last week. And, again, we just chalked that up to a, a, a bye week. Everyone deserves one or two throughout <laughs> the year. So, uh, But we're happy to be back with you this week. And, of course, a lot of questions since we last talked, including the trade deadline, some quarterback injuries, and that sort of thing. I want to start with Minnesota because Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, an incredibly productive statistical quarterback, no matter how you feel about him after noon uh, on a Sunday. So Josh Dobbs comes in there. We know Justin Jefferson's getting a little closer. What's that dynamic like there in Minnesota now? Yeah, for what it's worth, it sounds like Jefferson won't be back this week. Uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell consider that to be a bit optimistic in terms of his return timetable. But still, you're getting the all-pro receiver back some point in the near future, let's just say, uh, within the next two weeks, and joining Jordan Addison, who's really emerged, I think, as a quality receiver in his own right. So two good targets, one with T.J. Hawkinson. Alexander Madison doesn't do a lot on the ground, but another good passing game, too. And a defense that really is not good. I think Brian Flores has made a lot of bad pieces work uh, to a certain extent, and the Vikings' rest-of-season schedule really pretty favorable, too. So I think Josh Dobbs with all the other injuries that have occurred to the quarterback position over the past nine weeks and probably more to come and a few bye weeks sprinkled in is maybe not quite a quarterback 12 or a starting quarterback in 12-team leagues rest of the season, but certainly close. There's the rushing floor aspect, the good offense he's working with, and a defense that's going to allow a lot of points up there. We've seen Dobbs be successful in worse situations, both from a coaching perspective and offensively. I think back to the Titans last year as well. So, I'm I'm pretty optimistic for Dobbs' fantasy value, and I think from the Vikings' perspective, this is a big week against the Saints where they could hold a wild-card 5-6-7-seed advantage if they win this one. But 
I, I do think they are going to be a playoff team, and that's in large part because the NFC is just incredibly dreary. But I, I think they will have a possibility to represent in the playoffs, and uh, Dobbs is, is going to be a big factor in that. Joe, I want to talk about my Atlanta Falcons for a moment. Uh, weapons all over the field, but things just have not really been clicking offensively. Now, Arthur Smith shaved the mustache over the weekend. Do we think that's a sign of changes to come? Yeah, uh, he did the reverse Movember thing. He, he heard that was coming up, and then it became faux pas. So, uh, didn't like the mustache. No, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith came at us, us in the fantasy community, uh, and want to chastise and i think now it's only rightfully fair when your team looks as bad as you are and you make as dumb decisions as you do that we as the fantasy community can rightfully point and laugh at you because that i mean that's what the falcons are doing they've drafted a running back in the top eight a tight end in the top five uh they have an offensive line that's really capable as well too i think a defense especially with the amount they spent this offseason that's more than capable and they're struggling because of arthur smith and i don't know how that changes mustache or not you know i, I think that's going to be an offense uh, that I would imagine with Taylor Heineke is a bit more consistent, but Arthur Smith just seems to have fun getting the Kaderil Hodges and Matt Collins of the world more involved when you have Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson. You are going to lose football games when you continue to make dumb decisions, and this is not surprising to anyone who's played Madden over the age of six, and Arthur Smith hasn't figured that out yet. So uh, I feel bad for the Falcons fans out there. You shouldn't be subject uh, to as poor coaching as you seem to be, and uh, I would imagine this is going to end in a in a playoff outside looking in scenario when the NFC South was super winnable, when a five six seven seed might go to a team under five hundred, and I think the Falcons are going to be in position to uh, miss out with the way the coach, coaching has been this year. Speaking of being on the outside looking in in that playoff scenario, a couple of teams that were expected to compete for the Super Bowl this year uh, are kind of in that spot right now. Specifically, uh, talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills. They're struggling a little bit right now. What's going on with them? Yeah, and I think everyone wants to talk about Josh Allen and his turnover uh, propensity, and that's fine. Like That's really been Josh Allen's M.O. now for a while, and I think you live and die by that. I, it feels like the modern age, Brett Favre in that instance, where he's absolutely a gunslinger, has all the confidence in the world that can make every throw, has weapons as well, too, but sometimes you're going to make mistakes, uh, and sometimes you're going to do well, and I would rule, I would lean towards Josh Allen succeeding more scenarios than not, but the only issue is the AFC is absolutely loaded this year, besides the Bills, who are, I think, likely going to be uh, in that 5-6-7 range, but they have the Dolphins in their division, you have the entire AFC North that looks really capable right now, the Chargers are on the fringe of the things, too. The Chiefs obviously doing their thing. And the AFC South, you know, say what you want about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are running away with that division, but the Colts uh, and Texans look far more formidable than we would have envisioned. And there's still the Raiders, who are close to a 500 record, despite uh, beating literally of nobody of consequence. So there's a lot of teams in the AFC that are really good, and if the Bills miss out, I don't think it's because Josh Allen stinks or anything like that. It's just a very difficult schedule. And the defensive injuries that they've amassed over the past four weeks have just been absolutely insane. I mean, there's been a lot of injury bugs everywhere, uh, and I think for a case like the Giants, they really weren't that good of a team anyway, so losing all these guys has really kind of shed light on how bad that situation is. I think it's kind of the same scenario, but they still have their quarterback in Josh Allen for the Bills. So I, I, uh, it, it's really tough to overcome the amount of defensive injuries in particular they've, been, they've dealt with this season. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire joining us today on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, I turn to a team which is fascinating, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have been outgained in all eight games 
They are 5-3 and three and very much in the playoff hunt. However, from a fantasy perspective, they had an interesting blow-up on the sidelines last week with George Pickens, who's obviously an incredibly talented receiver. Uh, because of that, do you buy even more stock in Deontay Johnson? Then also, I could go with running backs, too, because it seems like Jalen Warren is the far more capable back than Najee Harris at this standpoint. So where are you with those two wide receiver and running back dynamics? Yeah, and they'll be six and three uh, this week after beating my hapless Packers. <laughs> I could, I feel pretty confident that this might be the first time they actually outscore an opponent or whatever it is, but or yardage wise, like that, that's going to be a very easy win. The Pickens thing is really weird. I would say the Packers defense is a get right game, and maybe it will be, but you have to have a quarterback that's confident throwing the ball too. And that's just not what Kenny Pickett is right now uh, in his maturation process. So I, I have a little bit of reservation. Obviously, Deontay Johnson's looked great since his return from injured reserve, and I see no reason why the Steelers are going to gravitate away from that. So I think it's going to be a similar scenario. And Pickens, for the first five, six weeks of the season, was pretty much a must-start. And not not in like the A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill category, but a guy that you knew was going to have the potential to score a touchdown, had the potential for a big play, and oftentimes all it would take is one of those two to make wide receiver two or wide receiver three fantasy values. I don't think we are at that spot. Right now, both because the Steelers' passing attack is dreary, but also the Pickens situation is a little murky. I mean, there's there's some uncertainty with that. Um, whether it be Jalen uh, Jalen Warren, I mean Najee Harris from the backfield as well too, Deontay Johnson. I think those three are going to be the biggest beneficiaries. And if and when Pat Frymuth returns from injured reserve, he too will also be a guy that can take a bit more of a workload. But this is still an offense that if it gets above 200 yards passing, you think that's a good day and. While that might be fine for Pittsburgh fans, it certainly isn't for fantasy managers. So other than Deontay Johnson uh, and the two running backs that we mentioned, there's just not enough consistency from an offense that does not look good most weeks to uh, have a lot of optimism. Joe, I want to talk about the impact of playing a great defense. I haven't asked a question just like this, but it feels like teams that play the Cleveland Browns are apt to turn over the ball a lot, take a lot of sacks, and maybe I'm just because it was a terrible Arizona team they played last week, but even in higher scoring games, it feels like that defense still causes chaos at the very minimum. Is there any hesitation with tweener-type players when you're looking at that flex position or looking at uh, making a decision as a manager against a Cleveland type of defense where you say, yeah, this is the type of defense I don't really want to give the benefit of the doubt to, t- to some, some tweener guys? Yeah, it's really tricky. Right now, we're at Week 10. You have the Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles, and Rams all on by. So at the very least, you're losing a lot of receivers, but obviously the quarterbacks too. This particular week, I don't I don't think you can afford to try to be picky with defenses. And I honestly think the way the last two or three weeks have unfolded and what's to come over the next two or three weeks, you probably can't be picky either. I, mean, like, I think about the reverse side of this. The Browns are playing the Ravens, and it's like, do I want to play Jerome Ford? Well, my other options are, you know, some other scrub guys like, yeah, I guess by default, I have to play Jerome Ford. And I think a lot of fantasy managers could be dealing with that aspect as well. So the Browns defense, I understand, uh, looks formidable. They've, they've done a lot from a turnover perspective. But I go back to two weeks ago when the Colts ended up making that game really competitive. You had Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss do some things. Josh Downs was great. Michael Fitton was great. So while they while they make really inept quarterbacks, and Clayton Tune is, is really inept, look horrendous, as they should, I don't know if that – works for most NFL offenses. The only issue is, to your point, not many quarterbacks are left running NFL offenses. We're talking about one-third of the league last week started a backup or a third-string quarterback, and we might add to that as well, too, depending on the stats of Kyler Murray. 
this week. So it is kind of a crazy spot right now in the NFL season, but I just don't think you have many options to be able to fade away from really good defenses. And the Browns certainly are among that group. Joe, speaking of quarterbacks, the San Francisco 49ers, they've lost three in a row, but they do get Debo Samuel back this week. How much do you think having a guy like that helps out Brock Purdy and the 49ers? I mean, I would have answered a month ago it wasn't going to be that, that big of a deal, but clearly it was that big of a deal. And it's hard to really get too upset about that Browns game again. Niners going into Cleveland thinking uh, easy schmeasy, you know, backup quarterback didn't end up being the case. The weather certainly was a factor. Then you have Brock Purdy get uh, banged up in that game against the Vikings. Some decisions happen towards the later stage of the game that you can point to, just like we did with Tua last year. I think specifically the Packers game, like, oh, well, he was clearly clearly wrong. Didn't I, you know, the Bengals game as well, too. I mean, the Bengals defense is really good. The Bengals are really good. So I, I have no I, – I'm not that worried about and I think people are going to uh, like, ooh and ah about the record and give them what the 49ers are going to be. It's still going to be the Eagles. It's still going to be the 49ers come the NFC Championship game like we all thought it was going to be. Uh, and I'm not really wavering from that. So, uh, yes, I think the return of Debo Samuel makes a big difference to the offense, and I didn't think that was going to be the case. But also the return of Trent Williams as well, too, is going to make an immediate impact. I think we really clearly saw what it was like in that Vikings game, specifically without Trent Williams, what happened to the running game, uh, that Brock Purdy didn't have all day to make decisions. So I, I think there's a lot of those guys returning, and then the addition of Chase Young that should propel the 49ers to be successful in the second half of the season. I want to ask, Joe, before we let you go about a couple of these rookie quarterbacks. We know Anthony Richardson went down a few weeks ago with Indy. C.J. Stroud lit up Tampa Bay last weekend. You also got Will Levis, who at least has more signs of life than Ryan Tannehill certainly did. Then you also got Bryce Young playing a bad Bears team on Thursday night. What, uh, what kind of stands out to you out of that group of rookies? Yeah, real quick, you know, the NFL doesn't give enough thank you uh, for looking out for relationships, and that being both Thursday night and Sunday night giving us the Bears, Panthers, and Raiders, Jets. <laughs> that was clearly the, oh, hey, you know, spend time with your family, your significant other. Uh, and, and I appreciate the NFL working on the divorce rate of Americans. It's way too high, <laughs> and that's the only reason why you would put such awful, awful football in prime time. But thank you, NFL, for doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was all in on C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson to start this year, and I liked Stroud slightly more than Richardson. But to me, when you looked at the quarterback landscape and guys like Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy were the rookies and the guys we were talking about years past, it was night and day that I thought both those two quarterbacks were obviously better NFL quarterbacks, certainly fantasy quarterbacks, too. And it's been encouraging to see C.J. Stroud do what he's done, and obviously Richardson, before his injury, it felt like kind of that same obvious tier of, oh, yeah, this quarterback's really good. I did not feel that way about Bryce Young. I wish I was more uh, vocal about it because, you know, now you can obviously say that for 10 weeks. Oh, yeah, well, why, why didn't I hear you before? I was scared. He was the consensus number one overall pick, but when, when have we seen a guy under 5'10", under 190 pounds, be successful in the NFL level? It just it was really hard to imagine that occurring, and I think especially with what Carolina has set up for him, he was kind of doomed from the get-go. Uh, and I don't know about Will Levis. I mean, I, I would have thought, the Falcons would have understood that DeAndre Hopkins is the only weapon for the Titans, and yet Arthur Smith did Arthur Smith things. Now without a mustache, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not all that surprised that Will Levis was able to torch them. And the same goes for that Steelers game. They only had, what, three, four days to prepare for him. I'm really curious when we get to, like, December 10th, whatever week that ends up being, when you have four or five weeks of film on Will Levis, will he continue to look good and strong in the pocket and make decisions and reads that – we didn't see in college because if that's the case, that is good for the NFL. As much as I was chastising him for the 
poor games on Thursday and Sunday night. We need better quarterback play. Very clearly, we need better quarterback play. And Ryan Tannehill was not providing that, hasn't provided that really for years now. Uh, and I hope for Titans fans that Will Levis does become that. I'm just not as optimistic, uh, despite what has been two relatively good games for him. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on the program. Again, Joe, if you will, go through your busy schedule there with RotoWire and what RotoWire can do for all fantasy managers here as we enter the second half of the NFL season. Yeah, busy, busy indeed. Uh, JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. You can get at me with any questions you might have. Uh, this is really the trade deadline for a lot of fantasy folks as well, too. So if you have any questions in that regard, I'll be glad to answer them on JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Uh, every Tuesday we do the podcast discussing waiver wire pickups. It's been it's been lackluster the last two weeks. Really, not some uh, major key players. Every Friday, eight to ten p.m. Eastern, Series Six and Channel eighty seven. Go over all the lineups now with ba- uh, basketball underway. Uh, a few more gambling articles that I post throughout the week, and uh, that will be really the, the next thing. You know, once football season winds into the late parts of December, we turn everything over to uh, fantasy basketball and fantasy hockey, and then I mean, we're at baseball. We're at uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. It feels like right after that too. So plenty to go on at Rotowire, uh, and plenty of ways to view my content. So far, Joe, is the uh, Damian Lillard experience what you thought it would be? Yes, uh, yes, and I understand that there's been a lot of points given up. I understand the Bucks haven't won as many games as some are anticipating. But this was more or less what I was expecting. Uh, I, the, the real question is, come July, how am I going to feel about the Lillard experiment? And uh, hopefully it means I'll be just uh, dressed in gold because we'll have one on our championship. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Joe, as always, we appreciate the time, and we hope you have another great week and look forward to talking again next week. All right. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That is Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us for all your fantasy needs here on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We are going to head to our next timeout. Back with more right after this. to the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9 welcome back to sports call on tiger 95.9 ryan lavoy and brent dontry with you here on this Wednesday as we get into the later moments of the show. Appreciate Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us as he does each and every week. Uh, certainly appreciate him joining the show and talking all things fantasy. And again, he's been uh, been a great guest for us over the last few years. With that, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this evening? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. I uh, heard that Robbie Ashford had left the team or was not going to be there for a while. Or What's the deal with that? Uh, I, I have not read that. I have read that Holden Gurner has impressed and practiced to the point of potentially overtaking Ashford as the backup. Uh, so that is something that is possible. But uh, Ashford is still with the team to our knowledge. 
Well, I don't see how he can overtake anybody in practice. And the reason I say that, uh, I played college football, and uh, at the well, at the time when I played, things were slightly different. We, went, we ran a wishbone, and both quarterbacks at that time, of course, you could practice longer being. You didn't have all the crazy rules you got now. Both quarterbacks at that time got equal uh, reps as far as uh, uh, running the offense, and then your third guy would get some too. But in today's time, that's not the case. But uh, you know, if you got the first team guy getting the majority of the reps, then you got the second team guy gets what he gets, and then third team may or may not get in the reps. I don't see how he could impress anybody to overtake him. And the reason I say that, uh, Robert has played in pretty much every game, uh, pretty much, and has scored touchdowns in several games. And there was times that he not had he not scored, they wouldn't have been in the scoring. Or even he was the first to score to get things going when when Auburn had got stagnant at a standstill and couldn't get in the end zone. And then all of a sudden, this guy overtakes in practice. I think that's a bunch of hogwash nonsense is what I think. Uh, I don't think he was clearly given the opportunity they should have been given on his new staff because uh, the way played, Peyton Thorne has played uh, all this year, Robert should have been given the opportunity to start a game or two and, and see what he could do, whether he can or not. But we won't know that because he wouldn't give that kind of opportunity. And anybody that is reasonable or got any common sense that have watched all these games clearly saw the goofball performance of Peyton Thorne all season long. Now, he's had a couple good games, but, hey, look at who he had those good, good games against. Vanderbilt ain't won but two games all year, and Mississippi, Mississippi State ain't but a game or two better. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be singing the praises of Peyton Thorne because I don't think he's the solution for his Auburn winning the eight games next year or, or getting a position to uh, do what the people want because it ain't going to happen with that quarterback on the offensive line you currently got. I can tell you that. You know, I remember when I saw the first game, uh, I could clearly see Auburn didn't have it, but I didn't tell you guys that. I, I called and, and raved about him and this and that, but it was clear that that team that really couldn't challenge Auburn uh, gave Auburn some fits and, and had the offense stalled and everything until Robert Asher came in and got in that end zone. But, you know, I hate to see that the guy didn't get the uh, fair chance that he should have got. And now they're messing him around like that. But, hey, there is a transfer portal. And to my understanding, he's close to graduating, which is a good plus. That's icing on the cake. And then if he got a year or two of eligibility left, he can go somewhere else and prove these people wrong. Just like everybody else, Malik Willis and Bo Nix. Bo Nix right now is, hey, he on top of the world, putting in PlayStation numbers every week. Uh, certainly one of the top candidates for winning the highs, and I hope he wins it. And uh, I guess Auburn at that time can do like Alabama did uh, when he did with John David Crow. Uh, Got a copy of his Heisman there in Tuscaloosa, and the guy played at A&M, but he did coach on the Brian as assistant uh, and everything. So maybe a Bo Nix will send a copy over here to Auburn where Auburn people can, can uh, go visit that trophy and add to the collection they already got if he should win it. So, yeah, a lot there, Anthony. Uh, I will recall, I know you're belittling Vanderbilt now. You did pick Vanderbilt to beat Auburn, uh, and, and that did, did. not happen. Uh, and I so, hope they did. Right, and, uh, and so I think that Clearly, when you if you'll look back at everything that happened last year with Ashford, and you'll look at the uh, some of the opportunities he had this year, which were not as many, obviously, but still some. I think you would agree that he has not shown that he can be an SEC quarterback. And the well, I tell you, I tell you this: uh, Peyton Thorns made a couple good runs and threw a couple good passes, but that comes against teams that didn't have anything. When it, when it, when you played LSU or the teams that really counted, the bell cow teams of the league, he can't do anything for you. Couldn't lead you nowhere to victory. Get nowhere around. And Robbie Ashford could? Well, hey, I don't know because he hadn't been given the opportunity this year. Yes, I can only go about what he did last year. This, this, he hadn't had the opportunity 
to uh, see if he could. I think he should have been given an opportunity. Based on how Peyton Thorne played this year, why not get a guy opportunity and see what he could do or can't do? And if he can't do it, he can't do it. But they've given Peyton Thorne plenty of opportunities to be goofball and lose these games. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, the game in Fayetteville? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay, what? If Auburn go down there and they can't get off to a good start offensively and mess around and uh, Arkansas playing at home, it could be a very long day down there. The Hawks very well uh, could win this game. They went and won in Gainesville for the first time in school history, and it ain't no easy feat. Now, I know Florida ain't the team of old, but they're a whole lot better than uh, Vanderbilt and Mississippi State that Auburn has faced. So I think Arkansas going to go ahead and uh, hog tie Auburn down there and go ahead and slaughter and win that game. But I, I tell you what, uh, it's a shame that Auburn, a team like Auburn University, this late in the season, battling to be bowl eligible. That's just a shame. It is. It really is. They're going to be bowl eligible. I think uh, it's exactly what everybody expected at the beginning so. of the season. Well, I, well, I tell you what, now, if they lose Saturday, then they got they banking on that game with New Mexico State. They're going to beat New Mexico happen. State. They're going to beat what them. If they I mean, I should say, what if they don't? They're good. Well, what if Alabama loses to Kentucky? What if Alabama does win? Hey, they said that it don't matter. We still go on to the West and and, and take okay. care of that. But we won't go to the playoff yeah. though. But okay, listen, that'd be all right. We didn't been plenty of times and then and then won plenty of times. So if they don't go this year, it'd be all right. We're just three years removed from winning a national title, so we still on we still in a good place. But I tell you what, how about the Louisiana Techs of the world that was told they couldn't beat Alabama but did? How about Southern Mississippi that uh, beat Alabama at a time when they sold a brick and Bill Curry wasn't nobody? How about the time? Uh, it's Brett Favre in New Mexico Southern, State. Well, hey, how about a time when a Southern Miss team came over here to Auburn in 1991 with Brett Favre at the helm at quarterback? Yeah, it was Brett and, uh, Favre. Yeah. Beat, huh? yeah, it was yeah, Brett Favre. It was a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Brett, Brett Favre, but I'm talking about look at what he had around him. He didn't really have an all-star cast or anything. Yeah, in the you early know, 90s man, with yeah. Favre, I mean, Southern Miss was a little different. But, I know late 90s wasn't yeah. Favre, but still. I, yeah, but I'm just it's, saying, but it, he, didn't have a, he didn't have an all-star cast or anything. He didn't have a mammoth offensive line, or, or no All-Americans on that team. Can you name me like one that. player on New Mexico State's team, Anthony? I'm curious. I don't know anything about New Mexico State, but yeah. All right. I'm not going to count enough. them out. Anything possible. Even, I don't, even if I don't know, anything possible on any given Saturday, anybody can be beat. How about Appalachian State beat Michigan a few years ago? Uh Nobody thought they could, but they did. And the coach there crying in the locker room, thanking the administration and the fans and everybody, you know, giving credit to defense and offensive coordinators and players and carrying on when it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. So anytime, anything possible. But either way you look at it, even if they do get bowl eligible, they got to go to a bowl and very well may not win that. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll look and see. I know y'all happy and, or whatever you are, but uh, I don't see uh, Hugh Freeze leading Auburn anywhere they want to go. I think in three years from now, he'll be looking for another coach. We'll see. Time will tell. As long as Georgia's doing what Georgia's doing, LSU, Alabama, then uh, ain't no room for him. But then again, I, well, they do got the 12-team playoffs, so he might mess around and get in that. That might save him. It, it just very well may do it. But look here, I got to go because I got a call coming in, but I'll talk to y'all later. Absolutely, Anthony. Thank you for whatever that was the last 10 minutes. That's Anthony calling from Auburn. Uh, you know, Anthony's one of my favorites because when Anthony, when Auburn's doing something poorly, he kind of kind of supports them and, and hypes them up a little bit just to maybe give them a little bit more credit and, and try to get people's hopes up a little bit. And then when he, when Auburn does something positive, he makes sure he shoots it down uh, from the word go. So I, I appreciate the consistency that I've noticed over the years with Anthony. But you know, I, I think that. Uh, you can easily try to discount the opponent's last couple of weeks from from Auburn and from Peyton Thorne, but let's not act like Robbie Ashford 
had proven that there was needed to be another opportunity there. He got opportunities within a lot of these games, particularly uh, A&M got some run against Ole Miss, played a little bit against LSU in more rotating quarterback fashion, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's not the volume of pass attempts in some of those games as as Peyton Thorne did. But, again, you can still clearly see when Ashford played that there was not – some night and day difference if he throws 200 passes this year does he complete maybe 51 percent instead of 49 percent from last year maybe sure i'm not going to write that off but great 51 percent is not a starting sec quarterback unless you're going to run i will I really won't say any qualifiers you 51 percent is not an sec quarterback even if you do run for hundreds of yards so i mean you you we would have to be the very best runner in the country at that point so uh, Peyton Thorne has earned the right to be Auburn's starting quarterback based off these last two weeks. You can disparage the opponents or not. Uh, and, you know, as to what's going on with the original, I, we don't need to get into the latter part of his call. Who cares? The The first part of it, though, with, you know, why Robbie Ashford is apparently gone the third string. Again, that, that's reporting from very reliable sources uh, throughout the week, such as Nathan King and some of the guys at 247, that – Holding Erner impressed in practice last week. And what that could mean, this is now coming into speculation, but reasonable speculation, that it could be something that is more of a attitude-wise from handling not playing the last couple weeks. I think that's something that Nick Saban tried to instill a little bit with Milrow earlier this year and try to refocus him and kind of get with the program type of thing. And I think that that is possible where, look, we've seen some discouraging shot, shots of uh, Robbie Asher on the sideline. So, seen some positive in the past, but uh, there could be a number of reasons. But I would not get on here and say that Asher has been, you know, not given a fair opportunity. Even when Peyton Thorne was named the quarterback, the second quarterback was guaranteed the opportunity to play. And that does not happen at many schools whatsoever. That is already – and that is possibly, by the way, what caused some of Peyton Thorne's early struggles was not getting in rhythm, not building confidence, and not gaining any confidence in the offense overall. So, again, that that was uh, – I disagreed with absolutely everything in that, and uh, <laughs> it, it sucks that that's how we're going about to end the show here in a couple minutes. Oh, uh, um. Yeah, I think there's a large enough sample size from Robbie Ashford to go, yeah, this kid's a great athlete um, and obviously a fierce competitor, and he's the type of kid that I want on my football team. He is not a good enough passer to be a starting SEC quarterback. Now, you could have said the same thing about Peyton Thorne, but the fact is he has had his best two games in the past two weeks. Like we said earlier in the show, continue to show competence. I think you put the number up of about – if Auburn can – throw for between 150 and 200 yards against Arkansas. That's not a fantastic performance, but it shows, hey, we are continuing to at least put up some numbers. We are able to move the ball through the air a little bit. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game against Arkansas. Um, And with the scheme changes, again, it's not all just the fact that Peyton Thorne is playing better. They are doing different things offensively to help Peyton Thorne and to help these wide receivers. And it's been very well done, and it's helped the team. That's It's a big reason that Auburn has been able to put up the numbers they have been 
through the air in the past two weeks. And if you continue to do those things, may not work as well against Arkansas, but you will show competence. And if you can show competence, you're showing improvement. You know what's not good? Uh, this is a little aside. I don't know. If, if it, 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 sorry, sorry to cut yep. you off. This is just one more thing that I want to say. If Auburn loses to New Mexico State, heads will roll, and I'll be calling for them on this show. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, not when also, too, I will say that Auburn's not a program that's currently disinterested in a bowl game. Maybe year yeah. three or year four of a coach to get a little disinterested in just being six and six. But I think that uh, Hugh Freeze has said now multiple times in the last couple of weeks, like that's a box they want to check in year one. Uh, and so what I was going to say is, again, you know, reminding you of Ashford stuff last year and so far this year, it's not ever good when you do the research on a quarterback on college football reference. And then the, when you go through game logs, they show rushing stats before passing stats. Yeah. And that's where we're at with Ashford right now uh, from this year. But last year, again, there were two pretty good games in there. And we – look, I you look for hope and optimism in the midst of a, a five and season last year. But we all talked about the Ashford throw at the end. I can't believe I'm recanting last year's stuff, but here we are. We talked about Ashford's really good throw backcourt of the end zone the Iron Bowl. You know that was still a game he went 11 of 23 for 77 yards? It's not good enough. And so you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you lose the starting job that you just should all of a sudden then get a 30-pass attempt game. Uh, so they, they tried to incorporate him in the rush. They, they went too much on the carousel. They needed to stick to one of the plan. Again, I said on this show, fine, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that I was ready to go a run-heavy version of Ashford. I At no too. point did I want a pass-heavy version of Ashford. <laughs> That's not what we're trying to see here. So the last couple of weeks, they committed more to the pass. They changed some of the concepts they were doing in the past. Peyton Thorne has grown in confidence. And again, I, I hate it for him that a couple of big drops happened last weekend because, yes, he had the turnover, but if you look at that game and he ends up, what, 21 or 27, you take away a couple drops and has 310 yards and a couple touchdowns, then you're not saying anything of the sort of – remember earlier this year you're saying, wow, these last two games have been really solid. So, I again, I don't know why all of a sudden there was a uh, huge lamenting of Robbie Ashford not getting a huge opportunity there. And, again, I in no way – I will not promise he's going to be awesome against Arkansas or especially against Alabama. Alabama's really, really good, and you know that's going to be a, a huge test. But I do think that they are on the right path, and at no point with Ashford coming in or rotating quarterbacks did I think that earlier this year. So that's where we are with that. And that's about how the show will end today. Real quickly, a Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Again, real quickly, Akron and Miami of Ohio, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. you got MLS, Philadelphia Union, New England Revolution, 6 o'clock FS1. More college football, more action. Eastern Michigan and Holy Toledo at 6.30 on ESPN2. Ah. Uh, TNT Hockey, Florida Panthers, Washington Capitals at 6.30. And then women's college volleyball, top 25 Auburn, still ranked in the top 25. They got number 13 Kentucky in Neville Arena. Hope a lot of people turn out to that at 630 on the SEC Network Plus. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. And that will conclude our show today. Again, we want to remind you, coming up in just a few minutes, live from the End Zone Bar and Grill, you've got the high school coaches show, Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock out there, again, from 6 to 8 o'clock tonight. 
there with some of the area's high school coaches. Brant Dontry, thank you for being here this afternoon. Good to see you on a non-Monday, but we'll see you again next Monday. It was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but we made it work. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. That will do it for the show again today and this evening. We want to appreciate Joe Barnell of Rotowire for joining us. And as always, all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dontry and earlier Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.